Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Loveless. And Danielle. And I'm Matt Strackbein, uh, and I'm actually not here this week because I'm in Portland, Oregon at Rose City Con, but I look forward to being back next week. And now, back to you, John, Danielle, and Aubrey. Thanks, Matt. Can't wait to hear all about the con. So I, I know that Matt hung out with uh, Ross Radke and that Nathaniel so Green. That was Man, super cute. Okay, that and, was super awesome. And book so, club members. Book club members, and they all went to Gigantic Brewery and had the Hellboy beers. Aww. I saw that. Together. that was so nice. I was just like, ah, oh, we should have been there. And so Matt was saying, like, we couldn't, we couldn't stop mentioning that you guys should be there. Aww. And so yeah, man, we were virtually there with you guys. Thank you so much. I, yeah. I was very touched by that. The, the book club members post. I know. Awesome. I'm so happy about friendship. What a cool thing, you know, that the podcast could bring these other people that don't even know each other together That's at this the whole con. Point. That's what we that we're not doing even this. at, you know. Yeah. But it's great. Anyway, I really love that. Oh man, yeah. No, it was really awesome. But I do have a question: Is the a beer really green? It is. Yeah, that is so awesome. They, they posted cool. a picture of it, and it is green. I mean, I, I'd seen the uh, bottles and all that, but right. I've never seen it in a glass. And so, like, I saw that picture last night. I was just like. Holy shit, that shit's green. Yeah. I want to drink that. Yeah. And so the new beer that Gigantic had this week was the Blood Queen beer. Yeah. So yeah, that looked really cool. Every time you say Gigantic, I just think <laughs> of that song. The Pixie song? The Pixie song. Yeah, that's a great song. I miss Matt so much this week, I decided to catch up on the Letterhack podcast. Yeah, I can't believe he's not going to be here. So. Yeah, so definitely go check out that podcast. Oh, yeah, definitely. He has a really great episode recently that I think everyone who's an artist needs to listen to. <laughs> it's just really great. It, it involves a lot of cussing, so FYI. Yeah. Wait, I, which one was it? It's called Perceived Artistic Arrogance. Okay. Uh, it's really good. Anyway. If you're going to make a podcast or whatever interview about being an artist it's gonna have to involve some level of cussing i, I imagine <laughs> yeah so go check out the letter hack podcast by the way if you Podbean. can't see me i'm just like rubbing my face <laughs> like oh yeah so go check out the letter hack podcast on podbean i've also got an episode on there as well as part of his podcast takeover so go give matt some love but don't stop there give us reviews tell a friend Follow us on social media and retweet, share our posts, comment on them, and you're part of the discussion. Tell them all about it, Danielle. Well, you you uh, <laughs> you read it. We tell you what you're going to read, and then you're going to read it, and then we're talking about it, and then we're friends, and we tell you again what you're going to read, and then you read it, and then we talk about it, and then we're friends. There and you that's go. A pot, and that's a book club. And you're mm. reading Hellboy comics and talking to your friends. Back to you, John. Thank you. And now meeting up with your friends at cons. Too. And now you, you meet up wow, with your friends, you so take a cool. picture, and you tag it, and then it's fun. Yeah. Make sure to follow all the peeps. Get Mike Mignola and Dave Stewart signed prints at Art of Mike Mignola. Check out Mike Mignola's art on Facebook. Please buy directly from the artist whenever yes, you please. can. Yes, please. Um, you know, Duncan Figredo sells sketchbooks. Lawrence Campbell sells them. Whenever it's possible. Whenever you can, please please go directly to the artist's websites or social media if you can. Yeah, and also check out the Mignolaverse subreddit and Mignolaverse.com. Thanks, Skeleton Crew, for retweeting us this week. Oh, cute. And check them out for all their great items. I buy pretty much everything that they put out. The replicas, the enamel pins of all the Mignolaverse characters, patches, nifty new keychains, yeah, check all those things out. They're the best, and they have quality shit, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
And now we're going to move on to our listener feedback. Book club members. I love how that's taken off. Can I just say like that pro- That fills me with so much joy that people are captioning all their Instagram shit with book club members <laughs> yeah. and whatever. It's great. That makes me happy. That's well, fun. And it, you know, seeing them at the con together. Yeah, in that's pictures, really cool, that was fun. man. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. really neat. That's awesome. You read a story. We talk about it. You hate them guys us. And it's a book club. Get out Regarding our outtakes episode, Mark Tweedell said, Guilford was right. I prefer Guilford was an asshole. Oh, shit. Because <laughs> we had an outtake where we yeah, talked yeah. about uh, Guilford was right t-shirts. We have a complicated <laughs> relationship with Guilford, I think, here at the podcast. I don't club. like him at all. <laughs> He's super annoying. <laughs> And regarding our little... Wizards are so misunderstood. <laughs> but not that one. <laughs> regarding our Final Fantasy tangent, he said, yes, I agree. The turn-based Final Fantasy 1 through 9 games are all I want from combat in an RPG. Okay, yes, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> okay, like this remastered Final Fantasy great. 8 is all I ever wanted in my fucking life. <sighs> so you're playing that right now? I yeah. cannot believe it's real. I have been wanting it forever and Final Fantasy 7 gets all the love and all the attention and like I don't need three fucking remakes of the same goddamn game. I want Final Fantasy 8 fucking give it to me and they did and I'm so fucking excited <laughs> every night to play this game I can't believe it's real and I I feel like maybe like I'm dead and it finally happened. No, but it's I'm so excited and I can't believe I'm playing it again and it's it looks incredible. Ryan Yule said, I like the idea of having a book club meetup at a convention sometime. I would totally attend to meet you all. It'll be fun. That'd yeah, be so much we fun. really gotta work on that, so I really wanna do that. Clayton Schofield said, Hellboy Con, boom. I've been thinking about something like this since the 20th anniversary. Celebration of all things Hellboy. This really needs to happen someday. And yeah, I will so be there. Hashtag book club members unite. Awesome. We had some feedback on our Abe Sapien, The Shape of Things to Come, and To the Last Man episode from last week. Jerry Turnbull said... What did Jerry Turnbull say? Book Book club Club member. Love The Shape of Things to Come. Like Macoma, it's the overall story of the Hellboy universe... The versions of Hecate and the Watchers and all the other similarities shows just how much thought these guys put into this that we don't even realize. Archetypes. Mark Tweedell said, The shape of things to come. This one is one of those stories that when you revisit it later, everything means so much more. I just want to point out how cleverly BPRD, Hell on Earth, and Abe Sapien, Dark and Terrible run parallel. The creative team is always striking visuals that act as touchstones so that we know when the stories are happening relative to each other. For example, we had the mother from Wasteland in a very distinctive jacket, and then she appears again in Dark and Terrible. We talked about that, right? Right, right, right. In To the Last Man, there's another touchstone. The final page with Panya and Kate takes place during the Reign of the Black Flame. So yeah, we, oh, uh, right. So there was that scene in Reign of the Black Flame where Panya's she's got the shower cap thing we were talking about. Yeah, and uh, she's got um like uh, bruiser is right thing. there. Yeah, yeah, and she's trying to touch base with Phoenix. And then we had that other scene where it's it takes place in basically the same room where Kate finds she's like Kate's asking her if she can find Abe. Yeah. From last week. She's yeah. always vaguely sinister, and I respect that about her. Yeah. One thing, though, is in the Abe comic, 
I don't think Bruiser was in the scene. So that means it either happened right before or right after that yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah. Because didn't Bruiser walk up into that scene? I think so. I think you're probably right. Yeah. So I mean, it could give it kind of a like a like a slight timeline. Like this was five minutes before sure, this yeah. scene right here. I like that. He also said Scott Alley went to a lot of trouble coordinating artists just so that if somebody needs these temporal anchors, they are there to look for them. And yet they don't interrupt the flow of the story at all. And yes, please talk about the colors. The Abe Sapien Dark and Terrible Cycle has some of my favorite color work from Dave Stewart ever. Yeah. And then And that's saying a lot because there's a lot to look over the years. You know, uh, it was Friday the 13th this weekend. Yeah. And the full moon. And there was a full moon. And there was this full moon and it looked all red. It was humongous. It was the the harvest moon. Okay, that's what it was. And the sky was like this dark blue, and we were driving home, well, and we were looking at this. There were these this. purples, these dark purples against yeah. these kind of light purples. And I was telling Danielle, this this sky looks like it was colored by Dave Stewart. Yeah. yeah. Nice. <laughs> and I was just thinking that, and you said it, and it was such a yeah. weird synchronicity thing. But yeah, no, I agree with you. It was very... <laughs> it's so funny how you, you start to think of the world around you when you're so influenced by these artists. Right, you're yeah. like, this looks yeah. like Dave Stewart colored the sky. Yeah. Yeah. And he also said, Abe isn't a mammal, so he's probably at least lactose intolerant. Right. We're talking about that, yeah. yeah. Well, birds can't, you know, process dairy. Yeah, dairy right. Because obviously, you know, like when you think about it, the reason mammals process dairy is because of, you know, they, they're nursing and all this stuff. Birds, right, birds right. don't do that and fish don't do that, so... See, but that's actually kind of fun, funny because, you know, Call, he, Langdon Call was a mammal and then he became Abe and oh, right. metamorphosized into like a fish amphibian, more like an amphibian probably. Right, yeah. Sure, right. You know, but. Because um, amphibians could be either on land or in water. Yeah. Right. Jason Abaddon said, why does an Abe eat cheese? You guys said maybe he's vegan or lactose intolerant. But I totally think it's a history of demon cows and haunted milk. Okay. It's like me and spiders. I never eat them now. Not even on pizza. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't eat spiders because they're very pleasant neighbors. And I <sighs> think that they're great and I love them. He also said, regarding framing comic pages, you always want all the cool artist board notations and little stray yeah. pencil work that might be off panel. Yeah. yeah. It's, it adds so much. And let me tell you. These fucking artists are never thinking about what if people see this. This is for their own personal use and shit. And then we get it and we see it and we turn it into this huge mythology. Right, yeah. Of like, oh, look what they were thinking when they were making this art. But they don't fucking care. They're not like, who's going to be looking at what I was thinking about? Like, every single artist worth their salt thinks that they're shit. And so when they have these little pages that are released with these notes, we value them so much and we're so excited to see this. And they're just like, that was just notes why i don't know why that's exciting for anyone it's just notes yeah so well, well like, this is an interesting on the last episode matt said it shows their hand it shows their hand exactly and that's yeah. why we're excited about it no i agree i mean it's something that i get excited about of course artists that i admire i get to see behind the curtain or whatever and for them it's just like this is studio shit why do you give a shit it's like the same thing looking in their sketchbooks and seeing their yeah. sketchings and stuff like that and then it's like when you get the art you also get a sketchbook with it for sure yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah no for sure. And that's that's something that I actually admire about the artists putting I'm sure they curate what they put in the sketchbook sure, yeah. area, quote unquote, but well, I mean, for me I'm I'm like, do I have any sketches that I would let people look at? <laughs> like is that Well, I mean, they they mostly sell them online, so I'm pretty sure they're okay. No, totally. Them. I just mean yeah. that I think the confidence that it would take and yeah, I I, right. I know that 
I admire their confidence is what I'm saying, I guess. I oh, know. yeah. No, so, to- yeah. totally. Jason Abaddon also said, Danielle was thinking that Elena should maybe have been drawn more heavy set because she refers to herself as Gordita. But I think that that might be a body image thing. Maybe or so. Or maybe Elena was once heavy and times have changed and unhealthy food is no longer available and any food may be scarce, so she might have grown up heavy, but her sense of self hasn't caught up with a new reality. Maybe so. Yeah. And another thing is also sometimes it doesn't matter what your diet is actually like. You're just genetically a certain right. shape or size, and that's also fine. And I think that there, you know, there are people who are just naturally whatever size they're they are. Yeah. It could be a body image thing or it could be, you know, dysphoria or something like that. But I um you know Right. It's just a, uh, who knows? Who knows what that is? He also said, totally out of left field, but someone needs to make sugar cookie tins of Strobel salamanders and the jade frogs floating around Liz from the Black Goddess. Perfect for Halloween parties. Adorable. Did I, did I ever tell you that I found those like little green frog jellies at Ikea? Oh, really? They look just like the frogs that were floating around Liz. Oh, I have to get except, some of those. Except with a little red thing on them, but... Um, yeah. But could you make cookies out of them? No, I mean they're they're like little gummies, like jelly gummies. Oh, I right. think that would be okay, a perfect yeah. no, but that would be a perfect like a shortbread. And then you combine yeah, that yeah. with the cookie, so you like, yeah, a, yeah. like a sugar shortbread thing. That would be great. Aww, adorable. The whole thing where she might have been one way but lost sure. way because of uh, starvation. I feel like that's really going to hit home in the stuff we're about to read okay. because in an apocalypse like there's you may not know when your next meal is coming right, right yeah right, right. so there might be days without food and it's just these people are fucking starving and i have to yeah. admit some stuff yeah. about the story was like like why do i have to be reading about this so intense oh, you mean, it's so intense you mean, you mean this story that's coming up yeah and it's just I so understand. intense yeah and i just intense. feel like i don't really i'm not always i don't always sit down to read something so intense and yeah. i never yeah. really expect you know what i mean so it's just kind of i was very on the fence about not everybody's prepared to fucking deal with that, but I, yeah. I get that these stories exist and that they exist for a reason, but not everyone's always ready to do that. Sure. So, hey, but, disclaimer, if you're not ready uh, to do to intense stuff, thing. yeah, yeah, that's cool and fine. And you don't have to. And you're not. Yeah. This is you totally cool to skip this for now if you want to. Fine. Uh, Jen Niklas said, ah, Niklas, more Ape Sapien. Still one of the more relaxing series. Just take an issue and enjoy the fish man running around and seeing the world go to hell. More important, though, can you imagine visiting a restaurant with Abe? Because there are so many of those issues uh, where he's just hanging out. Yeah, fun. just walking into a place. I mean, just like chips and salsa with Abe. Well, he's thinking about like being a picky eater. Some margs. Not because he has ethical reasons or another diet, but because he has to be one picky eater. You know that kind of person that goes into a steakhouse and suddenly wants pizza or chooses an extra exotic dish. That doesn't fucking happen. But puts half of the ingredients and asks if you want them. And no, Abe, I don't want your leftovers. You know what? <laughs> Some people are actually allergic to stuff, but they they have discovered over the years that they can't <laughs> tell you they're allergic to it because you're going to think that they're just picky and that they're bullshitting and that they don't prefer it and you just accuse them of lying about... Okay, so I actually have a relative... Well, I'm not going to mention how related, who is the pickiest eater I've ever fucking seen. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I love this person very much, but it is awkward to go to a restaurant. You got to pick your battles, though. Like, you know, oh, I don't ever people, say anything. Right. If you enjoy these people's company, like you would enjoy hanging out with Abe. 
regardless of what what if, whether or not he wanted cheese on his his bean burrito him, his bean burritos and stuff he calls him the picky eater of doom <laughs> <laughs> mr sapien hear you next week de sequoia said my mother and her siblings who were all born in colima mexico would always talk about how the mountains surrounded their hometown was once the homes to nagwas long ago and if you weren't careful at night one would get you Years later, I did some very soft research on the original folks of those mountains, and it turns out that they were, in fact, known as Nogwals, and that it's very likely that the folks from the hometown were descendants of that tribe. Yeah, pretty interesting. That is oh, wow. interesting. Yeah. That's super cool. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, that was really cool. Drew Campbell said, unimportant factoid. You guys wondered what's the difference between a sheriff and a chief of police. A sheriff is elected while chief of police is appointed. A sheriff typically serves an entire county as opposed to a single city. And the primary defining characteristic of a sheriff is that they operate the jails and provide security to courts. Although in practice, they often provide law enforcement services to unincorporated areas. And sometimes they are combined with police force. The bigger question is... Does the police chief in the story think that sheriffs only existed in the Old West? Huh. See, uh, that's actually got me on a little bit of a... I read that comment, and then I, I started thinking about... And then also about constables, because we have constables here in Houston, too. Okay. And so I'm like, every time I see one, I'm like, what's the difference between these guys? <laughs> Nathaniel Green asked if it's weird that he wants a Duke sports bar and grill hoodie also. That's no. the one that uh, Abe wears or whatever. Nice. Oh man, get a bunch of like um, Hellboy fans together, all wearing that shirt, and like be secret Hellboy fans because nobody will get it other than people who've read the comic. Exactly. Like, I mean, a I, bunch if, of people at a con. If I were there in Scottsdale, Arizona, I would totally want to go to this place and buy one of these. If they even sell them, who knows if it's a real thing? But like, nobody else would get it except for. I mean, you just other... a screen print. You could bootleg some of it. There you go. At Skull Doggo said. Abe invented fashion in the post-apoc. Yeah. <laughs> when I posted about drunk Abe... Lops, lo- Wait, I have more to say about post-apocalyptic fashion. Go ahead. Okay. Favorite post-apocalyptic fashion movies? Obviously, Fury Road. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Great fashion in that one. Fury Road, great fashion. Uh, Gotta go with Waterworld. Incredible fashion in Waterworld. <laughs> you Which, laugh, but... Well, well, that movie started off as Mad Max on the water. Amazing movie. <laughs> okay. Love it. Okay. Sincerely. Make fun of me. I don't give a fuck. And also, who was knitting all the sweaters in the Matrix? I just need to know because, like... Better question is, where are they getting the yarn? Mm-hmm. When I posted about Drunk Abe from last week... Lobster20,000 said, getting drunk with pretty much anyone in the BPRD would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and also, if you're sober, like, it's cool. We're, we're not about to, like, pressure you into being oh, right. a drinking thing. Like, we're sober friendly and all that. But, yeah, like, we'll take some shots with you. Yeah, for sure. It'll be fun. Oh, yeah. Wes Mattis said, I love Tipsy Abe. What a spectacular page. I wonder what would happen if Abe got in a tank filled with beer. Uh-oh. <laughs> I don't know about all that. <laughs> That it might pro- not be good. It'd probably be like that little guy from um, Willow. Sure. Falls into the the, the little brownie. Sure, yeah. He falls into the beard. He's like, yeah. <laughs> 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 oh shit! That movie's awesome. What's uh, his name was in that? Uh, Val Warwick Kilmer. Da- oh, I was Warwick Davis. <laughs> well, Warwick Davis obviously is the main character. Well, and then had uh, in there, and that's where he met his uh, 
ex-wife. That's Joanne right. Wally. That's right. Mm-hmm. That movie's great. Yeah. 80s movie. It's good stuff. Everybody should they're watch it. They're about to remake it and you just know it. Oh, please don't say that. I know. <laughs> it has never, it, they're not going to do it. Look, I'm not in control of this. It just happens. And now we're going to go into our book club episode for the week. And like Danielle mentioned earlier, I do kind of want to give a little bit of a content warning about a lot these of Abe's. a content warning. Yeah, there is some stuff in these Abe Sapien stories, and we kind of mentioned this previously. Matt and I were talking about how there is some stuff that you get into in this series that can be kind of sensitive. You know, it's very sensitive. Uh, yeah, and it delves into some places where you're really seeing the dark side of humanity, like real humanity. So we're, yeah. and it's not something that I'm always want to read too and so i actually didn't even really realize the degree of intensity that was in the story and i kind of wish i had so like if you're if you're at all sensitive about anything like you know abuse or anything like that i really feel like you should just maybe take a step and wonder whether or not you should even bother with this one because this is kind of super intense so i mean it's and it's okay to tell those stories if you want to tell those right. stories. I'm not trying to say you can't oh, tell yeah. that story. I'm just saying not everyone's ready to read that story right now, and that's fine. So you know. Oh yeah, I mean when I when I first read this story, I was just like, whoa, that was you know because we've been seeing them deal with horrible shit right. for the past year, but it's like this is the first time we're we're real. That's some really the only reason I, to a dark the only place. reason I bring yeah. it up is because I wasn't necessarily in a place where I necessarily could even handle reading the story so like I was just kind of like oh shit maybe I'll skip a few pages of this uh I also wasn't really super prepared but sure yeah right, it right would, yeah we'll get through this together exactly Abe Sapien the Garden one this one shot was published in May of 2014 written by Mignola and Ali art by Max Fumara Colors by Dave Stewart and letters by Clem Robbins. And Clem so, Robbins, the unsung hero sure. of all these books. Right. Good lettering, man. Really good. Consistent. I will, legible. I will say this cover is fucking amazing. Yeah, I really like that. And it is a good cover. This story kind of employs this narrative structure and it's describing everything through this narrative sense. Um, flashing back and forth between this man and this woman and there's not really a whole lot of dialogue we've also talked about this in the right. past of the just like blocks of text kind of right, thing and yeah we all know where i stand on that and sure that's, you know everyone has about everyone that. has their own style we spent a long time I'm not talking about to... that <laughs> well for me it depends like if it's like but if i use my power i will fucking yeah. blah 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 you know? right i'm thinking of cyclops right <laughs> yeah oh my oh he is the worst defender it, like, in, of this. in the in the claremont x-men yeah and don't get me wrong claremont is like sure great. Love, I love claremont. Yeah. but but there's yeah. some exactly times where it's sure. just like you're very invested in the storyline it's, it's like this is very wordy yeah yeah, yeah. well <laughs> but, and, and but this i is... feel like uh this is more um accessible yeah it's it's more i don't know it's more narrative and structure and it's also in these like every page is in these three panel chunks so they're all kind of have a similar layout which is also interesting i'm sure we'll talk about that more as we dig in we see this man he's holding a gun on top of a roof and he watches this dry creek the dialogue reads here's the antithesis of flood god having burnt the face of the earth to dust and to ash the man is not noah perched upon an ark waiting for a raven or dove to bring him an olive leaf 
And we see on this bottom panel, we get this view of the house and the dry creek from the ground. And it's kind of looking up at the house. I just wanted to point out yeah. this panel layout because we're yeah. going to see this a couple times. And something that's very fortunate for people like me who are just fucking dumbasses okay. <laughs> is that the art is telling the story. It's telling the story. So yeah. I can, <laughs> if you're an uncultured dumbass like I am, you can just look at the art and get a sense of the story that's, until yeah, you're ready no, to focus yeah, back in interesting. I like that, yeah. on the actual text the way that you should be focusing on. I, you know, I, I, I had to go back and reread it and all this stuff just because I'm not necessarily someone who focuses in on the text first. I'll, right. I'll focus on the image first and maybe that's just because I'm very image driven. I, I want to give the writer their credit and sure. I, but uh you know so i'm i'm following the art initially personally that's oh. just me no yeah. it's interesting that you say that because it took me a little while to write notes for this issue right, right. just because of the whole way that it's yeah. structured and the way that it's laid out it's again i talked about this a little bit last yeah. week but it's like this is why comics are what they are yeah exactly yeah, yeah. this yeah. is why they're the medium that that's they are the me- because it, it can't be told it, in any other it, medium. exactly that's why it's there it's the purpose of it and i can follow the story Looking at the art, that's fucking awesome. I think that's great. It's kind of like uh, when you get some some real something really good on food, and you're like, it's great by itself. But sometimes you want to add a little spice, and that's what the dialogue is like. Right. There you go, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I think you can follow the story just with the art. And so I go back and I read it after I've kind of gone through it, and that helps me appreciate it on a deeper level. Like you said, those spices. So yeah, that's. That's how I sort of did this story. We read that the man and the woman are the only people there, and they're waiting for water. And he will know the new garden is here, we read. Then the woman won't need to be hidden in the home. She'll feel God's touch on her. Nah, fuck this guy. And she'll be glad for what comes next. Only the certainty gives him patience. So again, he's like, this is painting like this guy is certain about this thing. So we already get the idea that he's kind of like maybe fanatical or... You know, yeah. he's convinced himself of something. As soon as you say okay. that it's God's plan or some shit, I'm out. Right, yeah. I will admit, like, when I read this first page, I didn't, I still wasn't sure where the story was going because we've read so many different stories yeah. where right. the person who's hidden away has been touched by the, the odd drew him. Oh, way. right, okay. Right, 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 right. And you thought yeah. he's trying to protect her. Yeah. Maybe something. he thinks that she's like a god or one of these yeah. things. Okay, so that's where I was going. It's You're like, hoping not... against hope that it's that? Well, <laughs> and I mean, it's I, not... think he, I think it's like, oh, he's some sort of worshiper or yeah, something exactly, like that. Yeah, exactly, right. Know? We learn that he and the woman were in Gallup. This is a small city in New Mexico along the historic Route 66. And it looks like they were attacked by some hammerhead monsters. And in the wreckage, we see an overturned red car amongst all the destroyed city. And also, I want to mention the colors on just this yeah. page between these three panels. There is really a drastic... Yeah. We talked about this a little bit last week with Matt, but they're doing this thing where they shift between all these different stories all at once. And yeah. it kind of really, again, it uh, we talked about this, it just really suits itself well to this comic book format. Exactly. You know, the different um, environments have the different tones, and you can pick right. out which environment and which timeline. Just by looking at the colors, right? Yes, and that's that's good storytelling. That's good stuff. And then also, if you think about it, it goes from him to her to this thing back to her. It's right, like, right, right. That's her thought process. Right, yeah. The man was in Gallup when St. Louis fell. He was at a bar that night with some janitors he worked with, and they watched it on the TV, and it seems like he's socially weird, right? Because he's like, I knew to fall silent when everybody else fell silent. Like, 
You know what I mean? Like he didn't realize the gravity of the situation the way everybody else and did. And just a right. little, just a little, another. I'm so sorry. There have been so many fucking disclaimers, but there are so many narratives that frame like sure. people who are not neurotypical as being like he was deviant, a psycho. So yeah. He's a deviant. He's a crazy guy. But like, no, I'm glad oh my you god, that. like yeah. please. We see this woman's face again. We read that she likes it when it's quiet. It pushes her mind away. Pushes away all memory. We read that the woman listens for the man on the roof watching. It says when he speaks to her, he tells her he only wants to protect her. And he wishes she could simply be grateful for it after all that's happened. And we see this woman lying on a mattress in a dark room. But better to think of him than to think of what came before, we read. Down in this bottom panel, this man spots Abe walking up through that dried out creek. It says... uh, he can see the serpent before it can see him. Mm. So again, we've we've they've mentioned Noah and all this kind of stuff, the Very, garden yeah. and the serpent. So he's kind of thinking it, thinking yeah. things through well, this when lens. You, when you Very add Old Testament, kind thank of stuff. you. Yeah, when you when you add this element of Jesus and the Lord and God said this and God said that, that becomes. I am immediately fucking distrustful right. of that shit. Like that that becomes very scary immediately to me. And so the man imagines his father on the roof with him guiding him. The man takes careful aim of Abe, making sure to remain unseen. And we get this panel of the house again. So there here's that same perspective as we saw earlier, but right. now Abe is walking through it in all this horrible stuff here. But I do like this panel of Abe at the bottom by it's Fumara. Good, yeah, it's, it's really, really good. beautiful. I just really like that profile. Fumara's work is so is so good. Yeah, I was gonna mention this later, but like this is along for the in the reading order for me, this is where I start to shift from this is like now my definitive Abe. Oh yeah, you know because yeah. for a long time it was the guy Davis Abe. Sure, was yeah. like my okay. definitive Abe. But then at this point in the story, I start going like, man, I just really love the way this looks. It's, you know, it's fantastic yeah. design. Oh, totally. This woman hears a gunshot from within the house and she jumps up. But now that the gun has been fired, the sound has shattered her silence. The sound ringing reminds her of Gallop. And we get this neat color effect here. Right. I like yeah. that on her face. She's kind of like, it already mentioned that she likes quiet. So now that it's not quiet anymore, it's like taking her back into all this horrible stuff. It's very and emotional. There's a color yeah. shift that I just think it really captures that well. It's like when you well, close your eyes that tightly, that's what sure, you see yeah. sometimes. Well, it's also like the um, the bam from the shotgun on yeah. the top panel is sure. spreading out towards her. And that's bringing the color that's shifting like that. into her. Well, and that that type of anxiety yeah. that you can see on her facial expression, she's sweating a lot, yeah. and that yeah. kind of like when that adrenaline takes over and all that sort of thing. We get a flashback to that, and we see the hammerheads attacking the city, and we see this red car driving along. She mustn't think of that. The world has become a terrible place. And well, and she... we've seen, sorry, but we've seen where the car ends up already. So, yeah, yeah, so it's that's... tracking this red car as kind of a storytelling device. We know something fucked up happened. Yeah. And we're working our way back to that, which fills the reader with so much dread, at least in my case. That's right. so much anxiety happening right there. But yeah. it's effective storytelling. It is. It's an effective storytelling method. It's good. It's a good... If you're good at your job, you're going to incite emotion from the reader. Right. So, and it, it manages to do that without being cheap. Yeah. Which I 
can appreciate. So We read, the world has become a terrible place, and if she doesn't want to pass the crush of the life out of her, the safest thing to think of is nothing at all. And here's where we reveal that she's actually tied to the thing. Yeah. And yeah. so, like, here's, like, an odd turn because you're kind of, like, you just see her lying on the bed at first, but here you see that she's being held there, like you said, against her will. And this yeah. is an image that can also be very triggering because there are clearly some self-harm. I thought those marks were from um, the car accident. Sure. Could be oh, from the could car be accident. From that too. Could be yeah. from a car accident, for sure. Uh, it's an intense image. And sure. I think that there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And I think they're trying to treat this type of thing with right. uh, 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 with respect. And I, yeah. I appreciate that they're trying to tell a story that involves sensitive imagery in a way that's not fucking disrespectful to victims. I, I appreciate that. It's intense. We get another panel from that angle towards the house and Abe sits in the creek and we see here that he was shot. They never actually showed him get shot and he's putting pressure on the wound. So we see that perspective again. We learn that the man had a rough childhood as well. His dad did odd jobs and he helped him. I assume that these odd jobs weren't legal, right? Right. Right. Although his dad kept him fed and happy, he also beat the shit out of him. Which is pretty intense and upsetting, right? If you're not ready to kind of look right. at all that. Yeah. I understand, like, you can keep someone fed, but, like, I very much doubt that someone's happy if they're catching it on the regular. Right. I don't know. His father worried about what would happen come Judgment Day. Guess. Had his father lived, he would have known that if you walked away from that horror and gallop, if you were the last man and woman on the condemned earth, hoping for another world to come, it would not be the garden you would see first. It would be the serpent. And on this bottom panel here, we see the hammerheads tossing that red car. So right. now we're kind of... We're, we're, we're in the accident right. phase. So this is another panel that's likely to cause extreme discomfort or worse for for people who've had to go through something like this. So you turn the page, it's, the action is very quick. It kind of cycles through, like you said, all these things and all the different um, palettes and the tones kind of let you know where we are in the timeline. And so this car flipping in the middle of the apocalypse, Abe is holding his, his injury. He's still struggling with that and we're still going through. And yeah, this is some intense shit. And in this middle panel, we see the man and the woman walking towards the house. I assume this is a flashback of when they first found it. The man's father thought he was a fool. To think paradise would be handed to him of all people. And we see the man running downstairs. On the next page, we see that the man discovered the woman in the wreckage at Gallup. That red car that got tossed aside, so we see him walking towards it. And so now this is all kind of like horrifically starting to come together. See, for me, yeah. I, you could just kill me. Yeah. <laughs> just... We see this woman. She's tied to the bed. She's having a hard time. Yeah. Only in childhood can she escape to safe thoughts. She thinks of her sister as little girls. Sometimes it works. Not now. Darkness. Then her mind snaps back to the car accident. And we see that red car flying through the air. And it lands upside down, and then we learn that the woman was with her sister and her daughter. See, even this shit, if you've ever been in a fucking car accident. Right, yeah. Like, what? The f that is so it's fucking horrible. Yeah. This is a lot. There's a lot in this story. And we actually see the little hand of the girl, you know, sticking out of the wreckage. So, we're getting all this, and then this next page, like, there's nothing. There's not even, like, thought boxes. It's like the guy just comes in and checks on her. 
And I think that just by itself, Very that one scene sinister. is kind of like everything yeah. stops yeah. for those two panels. Absolutely. And you're just kind of like, Ugh, what's going on yeah. here? Well, and he puts his hand up yeah, over his lips to say, like, quiet. Right. And it's just, oh, fuck. <laughs> his father tried so hard to teach him to be careful, to walk without a sound, and to listen, we read. That should resonate with plenty of people. <laughs> but it's not always as intense as that. Sometimes it could just be like, when you're a kid, you're trying to sneak to the fridge and get an extra pudding. Right. <laughs> you know, I think uh, a lot of kids learn that skill, but not necessarily for the worst fucking reasons right. in the world. Right. It was not an easy life. And we see the kid getting beat up more. And as he grew up, he realized his dad used him for crimes. Although it excused none of what happened. With the woman, she wonders what the man is doing. And she's still thinking of the accident. We learn that the man found her. She had no desire to climb out of the car in her grief, but he got her out. She ran from him again and again, we read, until finally she resigned herself to his company, too weak to deny his help. I like that they put that in there because, again, it illustrates the, you can just fucking kill me. Right, Kind of a thing in that situation of just no desire to survive. Who fucking cares? Everything I care about is gone. This is bullshit. And now there's a stranger I don't know trying to bring me somewhere I don't want to go. That sucks. She remembers her simple and joyful childhood. And she remembers right before the accident. We see her sister and daughter in the backseat of the car. When her daughter died, she dug into that grief at that moment. She never wanted to get past it. How could she let herself remember that now in this room? She only tries to think of things before the girl. There is only a dull ache here. How can one bear the thought of life after her? And it kind of fades down to this like all black panel, right? We see that angle again of the house. So Abe was there tending to his wound, and so now he's not there. And there's just like there's a pool of blood. blood. Yeah. yeah, I do like that angle of from the creek up, right? From, from the bottom of the creek. It keeps up showing it yeah. over and over. I we love the, the roots and all that. It's actually surprisingly difficult to draw things like roots and branches sure yeah um that to make it look natural and i've done so much study work on trees you wouldn't right. believe like to make it look like an actual well, tree and it and talks about like, like he thinks it's going to be the new garden he's right. he's waiting for water to come from there right yeah and it's like showing it from the dry creek the, towards yes. the house which i think is just interesting absolutely. that's a storytelling device in and of itself no right. absolutely yeah. it's brilliant it's 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 a beautiful like you said it's a beautiful storytelling for sure And so we see here that the man killed his dad, right? He stabbed him with a broken bottle. We learn that the man thinks this is his path to salvation. The house, the woman, and now the serpent in the garden. Through the man's perspective, he's been chosen for this. The creek will eventually fill with water, and he will live in the new garden of Eden with the woman. And I'm not trying to say this guy hasn't gone through some shit. And I'm not trying to say he's not struggling with some type of neurological illness or something i'm just saying like there there are people who struggle with this type of thing and they don't you know right murder people or whatever but those type of struggles can lead to the kind of stress and altercations that do cause violence i don't know man this is just such a weird story i mean you're actually right on there because i actually read a few books by um about serial killers and they talk about how sure. like well I mean, it just talks about how mm-hmm. like um they did most a lot of them did have but not all of them had bad childhoods right but 
at the end of it, the whole message was: it doesn't matter how bad their childhood right. was or wasn't; it still doesn't justify what. Right. I am not did. saying it justifies it either. I'm just saying like sometimes yeah. people don't get the help that they need, and so like they're oh, coping yeah. in these really unhealthy ways, and that can lead to violent situations. Oh, okay, yeah. No. I'm just also trying to you know be like, look, that doesn't. It's not necessarily everyone's. It can just be like it's a common yeah storytelling focus right. of these people who are not all there or not quite right or whatever the phrase is or i don't know it's just such a delicate situation oh yeah here we see that when he rescued the woman it rescued he she was bound by the wrist right so he's making the quote signs with his fingers but exactly so like at first you saw them walking up to the house but you couldn't see that she was bound at a rope and he was leading her there so here it's kind of like as we go through this, it's revealing more and more of the picture, yeah, and it just also makes just you say, like, like it's a little uncomfortable, like the racial. Sure, image no, of, that like, is the white guy leading I think this black that woman with a rope on her hands yeah. is kind of like very uncomfortable in a different yeah. way. But that's also how it started at the at the beginning. Like she was in the bed, and you didn't see the ropes until yeah, exactly. right, yeah, yeah. 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 It's it's so it's like it's um, kind of reminding us of that whole kind of thing as it right. oh, this is as it brings dark. into this whole thing. And we also see Abe sneaking around the side of the house. As the man comes down onto the porch, we get this bottom panel where yeah. he sees Abe as a giant snake, yeah. which I think is really cool. And they do like a snake version of Abe, yeah. which is really neat. The head ha- kind of has those uh, those the, lines the that he has. And all that, yeah. So would you say it's Abe sneak? Snakebian mm. or, uh, or snake sapien? You were you were working on that. Oh no, I literally just came up with it. <laughs> That's so, good. That's good. I, a weird tangent here that I got to mention. We were at a band rehearsal the other day with Only Beast, and we were talking with the guitar player Pete, Peter, yeah, our Peter. friend Pete, and uh, he was trying to remember Abe Sapien, and he couldn't remember the name, and he said Homo Fishian. Nice. <laughs> And then you had to text it to me right away. <laughs> I had to text that to Aubrey immediately. I was like, oh my God, you wouldn't believe what Pete said. Anyway. Oh, that was great. <laughs> His contributions are priceless to any conversation. Oh, I love Pete. Peter is amazing. Pete, Pete is a great guy. And so we see that Abe punches this guy, but he perceived it as the serpent coming sure. to get him, you know. But his his mind is so gone in his religious... Right. He sees the I mean, serpent. okay, so, okay, religious, yeah. like, not, like, warped religious views. Mm-hmm. I mean... You can say that. Because, you know, I mean, not I'm everybody... okay with you saying that. Well, not everybody who's religious is going to kidnap people and stuff like that. No, I mean, right, that's yeah. true, but... but, but, but this guy has got a warped sense of what mm-hmm. religion is. It takes a little bit. And so his brain is so focused on his current reality, he sees Abe as a right. That's the yeah. thing is most people are indoctrinated when they're little kids, so that's the only worldview they have. Well, I mean, but like, like this guy. Well, so he seems to be like uh, indoctrinated yeah. by like a cruel father who yeah. was like the apo- always talking about the apocalypse, probably always talking about religion, right. And right. using religion as a way to punish him. And that's how he. I have what knows. is seen as an extreme opinion although i don't see it that way that all of religious indoctrination is not good but i will say that yeah like you said this is a very extreme example of that and i think that it can be taken to an unhealthy place in people who are not necessarily neurodivergent true true and so like just to have this untreated maybe condition or trauma that's been unaddressed and then on top of this you've been indoctrinated into this thing maybe that does make a very you know, violent. I don't know. That could be, I don't know. That could be a thing. But I do appreciate Abe running in. He's been, this is something about Abe. If I can change the topic for a second, this man will get fucking shot 
and still keep going in like every single story he's covered in blood right he's got speared through the chest or the stomach and he's been shot all over and bullet holes oh, yeah all we'll definitely oh, come back to the that. Heart, every yeah. story i see him and he's like mortally wounded and still going and this has become such a fucking thing can yeah. i just see one story where he's just like not mortally fucking right. wounded and still having to claw his way towards let's saving that, someone. Let's get that yellow sweater back out for a little bit. <laughs> okay, wait, no, 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 no. <laughs> wait, wait, he wasn't no, 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 mortally no. wounded in that story, was he? I take it back. Is yeah. there anything in between? Is there something <laughs> in between those? So when Abe punches this guy, we hear a crack. Abe well, looks I, around. I mean, he does bust through the porch. Right. Is that the crack? It looks like he hits his head yeah. on the bottom yeah. step. You're right, you're right, because yeah. the crack's next to his head. No, you're right. Abe looks around and he goes inside the house. And so we see the man here and he looks dead. Take the oh, gun though. Take dead. the gun yeah. though. But take the gun anyway just in case. And inside know. the woman pulls at her restraints. The door opens. That just and, makes the knot tighter. You gotta undo that shit. Right. And Abe comes in and he looks pretty ominous as he comes in. We get this scream. It's like that... Matt was mentioning this last week. It kind of says Allie. It's kind of like, I, yeah. but it kind of looks like Allie almost. And then, yeah, we do see an olive branch. So I was thinking about this. And so I did a, got on Wikipedia. According to the biblical story, Genesis, a dove was released by Noah after the flood in order to find land. It came back carrying a freshly plucked olive leaf. A sign of life after the flood and of God's bringing Noah, his family, and animals to land. And so earlier the guy was like, there was a there was a quote earlier where he said, Something I'm not about, Noah yeah. waiting for the olive branch. And then here we see the olive branch. Right. And so that symbolizes that life is going to come back. So I just thought that was interesting to put that at the very end because it's like, Abe is the... sure. Basically, that did happen, but not in the way the guy was thinking. Uh huh. He's the peacemaker. Yeah. Instead of that guy. Right. Yeah. Exactly. The monster is the peacemaker. I and also on the on the topic of the scream, I don't think any time I've ever screamed in fright or surprise, shock, revulsion, whatever it is that I'm yelling about, I don't know if that's a sound I've ever made, but the og. A-U-G-A. I've definitely made oh, that yeah. sound or something similar to that onomatopoeia. So that's a thing. I feel like that's personally for me would be a more accurate representation sure. of the way someone would scream. What about you? I have personally made a sound like this. Have one. you? Okay. And I'll tell you when I it happened. I, I would like you. to hear it. Okay. So um, <laughs> I was coming back. I had gone to Subway to get dinner for Kathy and I, and I was getting back in the car and I was at, I was from my work pants, I was, there were black slacks. And I get in the car and I look down and I see my brain says giant spider oh, no. on my leg. And I made this sound that I didn't know I could make. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it was this. Now, now what, what did it turn out to be, though? Was it a spider? It was not a spider. <laughs> Aubrey, what was it? It was a stink bug. You know, like those. They're four big. They, they, they get big. And it came out of the shadows yes, in my car yeah. where I felt safe Baby. and all that. And like I was trying to open the door and it wasn't opening because I was like, you didn't unlock the door. 
Aww. He unlocked the door. And then I knocked him out of the car and I shut it and I just looked at him and I was like, you go the fuck away. See, and this... I'm not even afraid of those no, no, things. No, no, no. But, but it, at just... the moment, your adrenaline is going. See, I'm trying to collect. And so this was like a primal scream that I didn't know exists. I've never made that sound again. <laughs> you didn't know you could make that sound. Yeah. So I think that's where that scream is coming sure, from. Sure, sure. Yeah. Like. She just, she's like, just saw, been through this whole trauma with that guy and then opens right. up an Abe. Yeah, she sure. sees Abe for the first time and it's, what right. the fuck? Yeah, yeah. See, yeah. mine is a more of a guttural, like, like kind of a thing. Well, I mean, like, normally it doesn't sound anything like that. It was just. Yeah. So these next few stories were all one shots, right? Yeah, except for the last one is a two issue. That's interesting that they were, it's like one story. Yeah, they all connect, yeah. But they right. release all as one-shots. And one thing all. I thought was interesting, too, I forget which issue it is, but it actually had a banner on the front page that said, this is like a jumping-on point for new readers. You know what I mean? Because we're kind of starting something new. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. The next story is called Abe Sapien the Healer. This is a one-shot published in June 2014. Written by Mignola and Ali, art by Max Fumara, colors by Dave Stewart, and letters by Clem Robbins. And this opening page is just amazing, right? We we are just thrown into this image of Abe just beating somebody to a pulp, which is just really crazy and just awesome. Just a mess of blood and bones and right, meat. Right, just flying all over teeth. the place, yeah. It's a lot. And he calls for grace, and he runs over to this woman lying on the ground. And so we're like quickly putting this together. This must be the woman from earlier, you know, that he uh, discovered in that house. And so her name must be Grace. And the palette changes so we know it's a flashback, which I love that they've provided that for us. Yeah, we cut to Abe in this abandoned convenience store off Route 152 in New Mexico. It's daytime now and he bandages himself up and he gets a knife. And maybe a hostess fruit pie? Yeah. Looks that way. <laughs> also, it's a very cute shirt, and I love it. Yeah, we see that shirt there. That's the flag of New Mexico. Uh, yeah, And I we also it. see this uh, this backpack. It's got this character on it with, like, a red mask. It's like cat. It kind of looks like Owlette from PJ Masks, which is a kid's show, but it doesn't quite match. Right, right, right. Yeah, so, like, yeah, yeah. I wonder if that's supposed to be a certain character or not. Cute. Anyway. Oh, maybe it's kind of like one of those, like representations because they can't actually use the sure yeah it's cute social. like the little fruit pies too like it's it's similar packaging to what you know and love in but the it, yeah, it doesn't say 7-11. anything yeah, yeah. Right? god i'm gonna get one of those on the way home know, right? <laughs> there's a company that's making enamel pins of the ninja turtle one. Oh, remember the ninja turtle pie oh, right. yeah and it had that green stuff in the middle i really want anyway oh man Grace sees her reflection in the mirror, and for a second she sees her daughter in broken glass. It's rough. She takes what looks like a Coke, and as they walk outside... And they have water right next to it. I know, right? And Abe warns her that she needs to stay hydrated. That's not going to do it. And so she puts it down. Oh, and we also see gas... very prominent gas... Yeah, we see gas prices got pretty high during Hell on Earth, right? $8.99 a gallon. You know, I didn't even make that connection. I think it's funny that they bothered to change the sign. Right. Instead of just being like, standing out there with a shotgun, like, everything in your backpack, sir. Right. You yeah. know, like. Well, they're trying to keep life going on. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, that's so funny to me that they would actually go out there and change the signs or some shit. And like, how did trucks of fuel get to the 
station like i don't know well i mean in that last uh story we talked about last week they talked about how the uh truck dropped off food at that one right convenience store. Sure. right so they're still that some, yeah. some things are still like, going trying on to make it work it's I just like the, feel it's like, like the, the the last parts that are dying off right yeah i just feel like if there's no who's bankrolling these trucks though like well that's probably why they stopped coming right see that's the thing is that i feel like Im- immediately there would be absolutely no fucking society. And that's just my paranoid brain working like... I think it'd be more slow. I think it'd be like people who are trying to hold on to that. Because, I mean, you're a truck driver, so... Yeah, sure. It's what you know, and it's how you can kind of stay normal. Right, right. Um, right. And so this is just them trying to hold on to that normalcy before they get eaten by a fucking monster on the road. (laughs) Right. See, I'm the opposite. I would be like, everybody's terrible. Everybody would immediately be committing crimes but against humanity. Be- Not crimes as in like stealing. I don't actually consider stealing a crime in survival situations, by the way. I don't think that's a fucking crime. Well, I mean, I just apocalypse, mean, like, that shit goes out the window. Apocalypse type shit? I really feel like people would be just... Yeah. murdering and it's awful and all this like the well, road I mean, like not, the road type shit i'm not saying it wouldn't get right there. i'm saying it'll be a slow you think saying it's gradual see i'm saying yeah. it's like I don't think overnight it's like, the grid goes down and you're fucked yeah no see i don't see it that fast i think it's gonna be more <laughs> of a slow rot decay yeah but you're of course a little I, more optimistic than i am i try to be <laughs> <laughs> so she she ends up putting down the coke and I like this moment. Abe's like, you don't have to. Like, he thinks she put it down because of his little comment about not staying hydrated. But she says, it's okay. Tastes bad warm. And there's that a big is so symbol. true. It, well, I don't. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. But it seems like that would be true. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a big Abe symbol over here. Yeah. There's also it. we see one of those Abe symbols behind the convenience store. I like how it also like you can see. I mean, it's a tiny panel, but you can still see the drips coming off the thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We see this half frog monster, half human guy asleep, and this man and woman watch over him. And he just is like, oh, do they have a frog? Oh, man, no. Yeah, but then look what he does on the next panel. He waves. He's like, hello, what do you have there? He doesn't want them to think that he's a fucking one of them. Right. Though, because he's like, they might shoot me. I have to be clear that I can speak and am intelligent and not harmful to them. Hi, I'm being polite. Hey, what you got there? Right. It's a very like, ha ha, ha ha ha, <laughs> kind of a moment. Like, oh my God. Right. Please don't fucking kill me. The guy with the frog kid has a shotgun and it's freaking Grace out real bad. She uh, Abe tries to reassure her that it's going to be fine. And she's not having it because if you have any kind of trauma... Yeah. Concerning guns, people don't fucking get that shit. And people will make fun of you, too. That is some fucked up shit. Yeah. If if someone you know has a trauma concerning to guns, can you just be nice to them and, and just chill the fuck out? Because that shit is real. That's not okay. But yeah, he's trying to be nice to her. And he's like, it's okay. We're safe. And she doesn't believe him because of you know her the things that she's had to deal with. And the woman with the frog kid, she's like, this one can talk. Maybe he can help. And the couple... They say their son is sick, and Abe tells her to hold on, and we get this small script, the dialogue, and he goes, I should talk to these people, but if you want to go, we can. So we kind of like, I like that little moment where he's like, look, we can just get out of here if you want to. Yeah, he's talking to her, and I think that's cool that he's giving her the option of like, you know, like you you don't have to fucking be involved in this, but I feel like we should at least try. Yeah. And so she says for him to talk, she's going to stay there. The couple say 
Gas came up from under their barn. The kid, Ben, turned white and started changing. Abe tells him to put the gun away. It's making Grace nervous. And they seem like a chill couple, so he does it. And I, it's nice to just breathe a sigh of relief in this story right. for me. Like It's nice to have a normal interaction. Sure. That's a normal re- interaction with a half frog, half right. human shape. Well, person. during the apocalypse, this is as normal as it would get, I think. Yeah. So I think when he's saying he turned white and dropped, I think that's before he got hit by the gas. He got so frightened. He, oh, it's okay. like, because, you know, oh man, he, he, it's like referencing you lose all the color in your face and you go right. white as a sheet. Oh, okay. And then you just faint. Right. And then the gas probably overtook him. And that's probably why it wasn't a, a, an immediate change. And, and some they, people would be more sensitive to that than others. You can, yeah. you know, you just know. It's like that fight, flight, or freeze type of thing. Exactly. Right. You, you know, you freeze up anyway. And they also say that he's only halfway changed because they've been using these animal tranquilizers, zilazine, which is primarily used for horses, cattle, and other non human mammals. I did look that up, and it also said that it's now being used in some countries to cut heroin. Wow. That's not... mm. It was on Wikipedia. Wow. (laughs) The woman says they're looking for a healer that supposedly lives out there. As they talk, it starts getting darker outside. Grace notices it and says, it shouldn't be getting dark, right? So, what do you think is happening here? So, New York is a long way from New Mexico, almost 2,000 miles. But when the Black Flame, when they finally finished fighting, remember the sky opened up and this big black thing came down? Oh, And right. so, I'm wondering if, like, that's why. Because they're like, it shouldn't be turning dark right now. But this is all happening at the same time huh. as the Hell on Earth stuff. So, it's kind of like... Is it turning? Is this a result of Liz and the Black Flames fight in New wow. York all oh. the way across the nation? That would be the biggest range of any type of event that the yeah. world's ever known. Well, I mean, if it's like a like a like a sphere of darkness that encircles the world, you know, right? Is uh, it the whole fucking world though? That's intense. well, we just saw this yeah. big giant thing come out of the sky, but we didn't see the radius yeah. of it. Right. So how big right. is that giant black cloud that so he I don't like made? To think about yeah. that. <laughs> I mean, if it's like positioned in the correct spot, it could block out the sun, right? Depending on how big it is, you know. I mean, that's a. I mean, that's... talk about stationary like orbit. Maybe like it doesn't really rotate, or that's I don't a know. Huge or... like that. I mean, considering the synchronous orbit, that's what I think. Just the air. I mean, that would have to be like a whole fucking hemisphere. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's like at least. Oh, ugh. The couple, they also notice Abe's wound, and they say the healer might be able to help out with that, too. And we see one of these dead, mutated horses like we saw in To the Last Man, which we read last week. I don't like any of this shit. This is fucked up. Grace asks Abe what they're doing. They don't need a mystic. They need a town. Abe says he doesn't think that's the answer. But wherever they go, he can protect her. And he hears this bell dinging. And it gets louder as they approach the That's house. It's a very Mignola detail. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of Moslomi's bell. Just the little uh, tiny panel with the bell in it. The Just little, that little The detail framing. shot yeah. and then the color is so different and it's, yeah. And uh, yeah, we get amazing art and colors here as they approach this house with a light on. Is this it, Grace asks? Guess it probably is. And we meet the healer, this guy. He's um, standing there. He looks like he might have Amelia. This is a condition which usually originates from birth, 
where one lacks one or more limbs. It can also result in a shrunken limb. And the healer says they should stay down the hill where they're at. The couple tell him about their sick son, and Grace is clearly uncomfortable, and the healer tries to talk to her, and he calls her girl, and asks how they all met. Don't you call me girl, and I have nothing to do with those three, she yells. And again, Abe comes and tries to calm things down. So these two ain't brothers, the healer asks, so he thinks that Abe and the kid have some sort of connection, since they both have like yeah. that, you know. Grace tells Abe that the sun never set. They have to get back out onto the road. Abe says he can take care of them, and the healer says they should stay and start a fire. He even mentions it got dark suddenly and all that. Right, so. yeah. Grace tells the healer that they heard a bell. Was that him? Oh, that, he says. No, I wouldn't do nothing to attract folks, but they come here once in a while anyway. I gotta say, the company is nice. But he never actually answers the question, right? I was like, what is the bell then? Like, if it's not him, then what is it? He very smoothly changes the subject. Right. They ask if he's a healer. Like a shaman. Like a shaman. And he says, I'm not the right complexion for that. I really like that. Around the fire, the couple ask if the healer can do anything for their son. He says what he does works better in the daytime. He says they should sleep and wait the darkness out. He never would have found the spot at night, even with the bell, and that his truck broke down and he went looking for water, and that's when he heard the bell, and found this. He talks about finding the bell and these two lion carvings. He tells them he'll show them in the morning. Grace says she doesn't want to sleep next to that half-transformed kid, and the woman in the couple, she yells at Grace, Why the hell are you even here? I don't know, he wants to help you, so I and Abe is like, please, we'll just stay till morning. But I think, like, this is what would happen, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, like, all the different personalities in this situation. She doesn't want to be there, but she's there with Abe, and I I just think all this is really interesting. So I think this is the start of, like, things going to, like, Mad Max-type, you know, warlords. Right. (laughs) The healer offers Grace to stay in his place. He'll sleep out there. Which I think is really cool. He's like, look, you can... You he, can... Realize, he realizes she's not going to stop being fucking freaked out. And right, she's going to yeah. keep yelling at people until the tension just keeps <laughs> rising. So he's like, have you ever heard of circadian rhythms? Do I need to explain to you people that when it gets dark, old men get sleepy? <laughs> can you all keep it down and shut the fuck up? Maybe if you sleep over here, I can get some goddamn sleep. So it's, yeah, I like that he manages to, to take control of the situation and be like, okay, everybody just calm the fuck down. Right. And inside his little house, we see the bell. So is that the bell that we heard? Again, these ambiguous answers, it just makes me wonder, what does all that mean? The healer asks Abe to come around back. This is what you dug up, Grace asks. How'd you get it here, Abe asks. It got up here by itself, the healer responds. And so we see this dark wood Jesus statue. The healer says they were used to con redskins, which is not a cool term to use. Not cool. As the healer dug it out, he regained use of his other hand. He says he's been surviving on water from the spring and clay. What does that mean? You can't eat clay, by the way. People, please don't try to fucking eat clay. Yeah, but so what is all this? Like, because even Grace is like, what? Clay? I was wondering if this was like a Bible thing that I don't know about. He keeps saying, you'll see in the morning. Right. It's very ominous. Yeah. Okay, there, there was the whole story in Genesis where like, 
you know, Adam and Eve are made out of dirt. But then it also could be something where he thinks that because his arm was healed, the dirt that was around this statue oh. of Jesus is somehow blessed know, and holy. Man. But he's but he's obviously surviving on. Oh it, wait, I guess. hold on. But then also with everything that's going fucked up in the world, maybe it's some like microscopic Andrew Jihad um, or Andrew Hem plague virus that's right, affecting it in a completely yeah. different yeah, way. For sure. I mean, we've seen a lot of different types of. Yeah. Like different, like when the sub. the fungus mix with the the corpses of the vampires. And the we've seen, yeah, Morris. we've seen a lot of little subplots of weird shit that wasn't part of the main deal. And so, so it's a wooden statue. So if it got Andrew him goo absorbed into it, and then like he's like, oh, worshiping it like Jesus or something, it just kind of goes. Sure, I'll take this imagery for right now. I guess. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of it. So outside the house, the rest of the people. The couple, their names are Morgan, that's the guy, and Irene. And they have the kid, the healer, and Abe are out there too, and they all talk. And they ask Abe what Grace's story is. I'll let you know when she tells me, he responds. Morgan asks how Abe can get Ben to end up like him. And so Abe's like, they can't stop what's happening by continuing to drug Ben. Okay, right. I look like those things, but what happened to me has nothing to do with your son. What happened to me started a long time ago, Abe says. It was in Rhode Island. Maybe that's where I should go. But I think that the reaction to what he says is more about like how it's seen as insensitive in that situation of like they're still mourning for their son. They haven't accepted that. Right. What's happening to him is going to eventually just happen. I like how Abe is just like, this is not going to help. Yeah, but you know that's what, what I'm mean? saying is he's he's telling it like it is, quote yeah. unquote. He's kind of like, yeah, you're not going to stop what's happening just by keeping him drugged and tied up. So and the and the guy's just like, what? And this and this other guy is like, hey, you know, maybe like lay off a little bit. You're kind of being hot headed right now. Yeah. Like, you're telling a father who's not dealing with this very well, by the way. That what you know, and so it's kind of you can't tell parents jack shit about how they're treating their kids. Sure, you just fucking can't. It doesn't matter what it is. You can't tell them you need to vaccinate your kid because they're just going to be like, "Well, I read this, and it's just a whole fucking thing." And so, like, you know, this shit is not going to go over well no matter what. So maybe he figures he'll just say it. He'll just be like, "Well, right. it's not going to fucking matter because that's not what happened to me in the first place." So it doesn't matter. Wasn't Abe always kind of just been like that? Yeah, always exactly. Fact, exactly. From blunt to the point sure you know? exactly right. i mean that's yeah. what i'm saying is that it doesn't there's no right way to say that oh true so he's just kind of like well that's not gonna matter we cut to the bprd headquarters kate is stressed and chewing out staz who is apparently from army intelligence so here we get a new agent kate asked her to send someone to texas and staz says there was no one to send everyone you left here was you know essential Everyone's deployed. They're all in New York, right? Essential. Oh, God, Kate says. Rosario. It's where Abe was shot. That's when he started to change. Pick someone to go with you. Review the orders I sent three goddamn days ago. And then it goes, and getting back to me. Yeah, and getting back to or me. Or getting right. to come back, yeah. So this is probably after what we've seen in uh, the BPRD because it's like, this is kind of like she's back at the headquarters. Right. So she's not at any, wherever the aircraft carrier was. So they're probably, you know, doing cleanup on that mission right now. Yeah. I, I absolutely love how Kate has dropped all print. Like when we first met Kate, it was a very, 
yes, my job is to do this thing, but I do it well. And you know what? I'm going to get. And now she's just like, I sent you this shit three goddamn days ago. Can you just fucking do it? Well, she's dropped all. It's just like, just fucking do it. Well, she was I a, love uh, that. She was a professor when she started at the DPRD, yeah. so she's probably still going through that sure. professional professor of course. thing, and now she's like, God fucking damn it. Yeah. <clears throat> she's turned into the Kate that we all oh, knew yeah. she could be. Right. Do you think that maybe she's so gung-ho to get Abe back because she didn't get Hellboy back and Hellboy died? Oh, and yeah. Sure, yeah. And so this is like, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess I didn't make this connection until right now. It's just, it's like, she let Hellboy go. I mean, right. Hellboy was going to go no matter what. Hanging right. on to whoever she can. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, you know that now that, but she didn't send anybody ever to go look for him in all those years, and he died. And she, right, she's she misses her friend. Yeah, she doesn't no. want to. She doesn't want to lose. Yeah. another friend. Of course, yeah. especially now that Liz has come back, and she's already and they lost Daimyo. Right, right. She oh, a lot. Right. Yeah, Fucking one Roger, Roger and fuck. <laughs> She didn't want to be left alone with Johan. Okay. Well, can you blame her? <laughs> Back with Abe. He's talking to the healer, and he's also filling us in on what happened between the last issue and this one. So he did kill that guy, right? Who had captured Grace and was holding her hostage. And he had found Grace tied up. I knew something was wrong, Abe says. Just like in that last town I was in. But I let other people tell me it was fine. So this time I acted and I saved Grace from whatever the hell was going on in that house. On this next page, at the top, I like these two panels. So neither of them are sleeping, right? They're both kind of just like um, Grace and Abe. And then we see the bell ding. Morgan wakes up Irene. He says she slept 10 hours, but it's still dark. The healer is going to try now, he says. And so we see this wild scene, right, with the healer. He's, like, holding the kid and trying to put something in his mouth, and Abe is there. and It's that mud. (laughs) Oh, Oh, it's the clay. Okay, you're right. They're trying to restrain him. And he's looking more like a monster here, too. And so while they're all doing this, you know, uh, Grace is freaking out, you know, by all this the the kid ben he like starts to come awake or whatever and so he starts throwing people aside and then he starts transforming into this giant frog monster thing and so he like crushes the dad's head and then he grabs the mom and like flings her around with his frog tongue yeah so all this is pretty messed up right well that the okay yeah he crushes the dad's head but then he also slams the healer said because you see the dad's head right here Oh, yeah, so, so I guess he, he, he kills the, the three of them. Yeah, he kills the healer, too. You're in, like, right. one second, yeah. all this is happening. But then also, you forgot to say the whole part where he's like, he's the healer's like, I thought you were giving him tranquilizer. And she's like, but you said, he's like, I didn't say to stop. Right, <laughs> yeah, that's why, that's why all this is happening. Yeah, but then so, you you know, you turn the page and Abe, Abe jumps in action. He blocks it from getting at Grace. And then it cuts to this part where he's like totally beating it, Fucking beating it up. Goes ham on this. And that's like what we saw in the very beginning. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And what is this shit? So then, yeah. So then he runs over to Grace. And then as he gets to Grace, we see this like, that's that wood Jesus thing, right? Double headed wooden but Jesus. But it's also the healer. Yeah. Right? It looks like the healer spirit is going into Jesus or Sounds something like, like that. Sounds like the name of a song. Double headed wooden Jesus. Right. And it's saying, you cannot be healed. That's the chorus of the song. (laughs) 
and so Abe just punches the shit out of this thing and it just like shatters all the wood shatters and then he just picks up grace everybody's dead now and they just get on this horse and where does the horse come from they had the horse didn't they had the horse okay because it's there's a tied up oh yeah yeah, yeah. no you're right you're right you're absolutely right but then they so they ride off into the non-sunset which is so interesting. Yeah. Oh, you're right. I love that. They, yeah. they ride off into the non-existent fucking sunset. Yeah. So I was trying to look for some sort of... Um, I wondered if this whole thing with the wooden Jesus and all this kind of stuff, the healer and it being dug up, if that had to do with some sort of other kind of folklore or something. But I couldn't really find blood. anything. Oh, yeah. The next story we're going to read is... Vision, Dreams, and Fission. This was a one-shot published in July 2014. Same crew as the previous one, Mignola Alley, Max Fumara, Dave Stewart, and Clem Robbins. We open on Juarez, which is a Mexican city on the Rio Grande. Grace and Abe still have their horse, and they come across the wrecked aftermath of a huge car crash. Abe tells Grace not to look inside. There are bodies in some. The Rio Grande. She looks in the window reflection and she sees her daughter and then she smashes the window, which to Abe is like totally out of nowhere, right? Right. I mean, he's not in her head. He can't see what she's thinking about. Right. He's like, I'll just steer us clear. So when she smashed her hand through that, I was like... Holy crap, she probably just broke her hand. But then I went back and thought about it. The glass is already It's already, broken. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah. You, yeah, you normally cannot do that unless you're right. a fucking superhero. Right, so. yeah. But also, I mean, if you're in a survival damage, mode, yeah, like why would you risk any type of cut? Well, I don't think she's thinking rationally. Of right course there. not, yeah. yeah, no. But that's like an infection. That's like, yeah, you can't even well, deal with right. that. Yeah. yeah. You can't afford to be dramatic in the apocalypse. Sure. This is oh, a very dramatic agreed. soap opera kind of a tv show sort of a moment but like in the real apocalypse you would never fucking risk for a dramatic moment like oh i'm going through so much trauma oh i'm gonna break a window with my fist uh like no okay so there's none of that that actually made me think of something like when i was a kid i had this friend uh and when i say kid i mean like 17 sure um that's kids yeah and we were stupid uh we were trying to punch this pane of glass with a freaking it had this piece of chain we were using like a brass knuckle and so he punched through and he was fine but when he pulled yep. out yeah he yeah. got this jagged gash on his wrist yeah. he had to take him to the hospital he ended up getting almost nerve damage yep. out of it yeah so yeah don't go around yeah, don't punching do glass don't do that maybe it looks cool in a comic book or on a tv show but like yeah. honestly if the real, real apocalypse happens you're not gonna be able to treat that yeah that's not good <laughs> they come across this abandoned store but everything's been picked over. Abe takes some soft drinks for the electrolytes. And he's taking Gatorade. Yeah, that's right. like a Pedialyte oh, type okay. of thing. He's looking, yeah, it's Gatorade. Because later in the thing, they drop the bottle and it says the G2 on it. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's got sugars, but like like he's saying here, the electrolytes might make up for it. At least it's, it's better than nothing. Yeah. And we get a shot of him looking at this broken mirror, too. Right. We see Grace take some razors... And they head out, and then so they start to encounter these fence posts that have fish on them. What is that about? I don't know. I mean, I figured it's something to do with the person we're about to meet. Right. Um, Abe says it means there's water ahead, but I've never... Because I guess there's fish around. Okay, I guess. To yeah. me, it reminds me of uh, Terminator 2. 
Judgment Day, that shot of all the oh, rattlesnakes right. yeah. on the fence or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it's definitely something, and I so I think it's interesting. Like we're seeing something horrible, but Abe's like, if there are dead fish here, there's He's water to close stay to us. Positive. Right, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I think it's just his analytical brain working that way. And they encounter this crazed wolf dog thing, and it's held on a leash by this older woman. She says the general's part pit bull, ma'am. That's not a pit bull, Abe says. <laughs> Very pointed. That is not a pit bull. Grace says she doesn't want to stop, but the old woman says safety in numbers. She says they need to get to sacred places. Phoenix went wrong, didn't it? She says. I mean, sacred places, mostly on the coast, but there are some others. This reminds me, that, I mean, obviously the image, it reminds me of the uh, that guy. Sanchen. Yeah, yeah. Shanchen, he had that um, marking on his, on his head. And she says, there's a girl back in the Carolinas. None of the horrors in this world come near her. Scared of the right hand printed on her forehead. The girl don't speak anything but gibberish, but her mama translates for her. A cult sprung up around her, and her mama says she'll lead them on to the hereafter. A cult just like the one that sprang up around you, she tells Abe. I've seen your mark too. And so this freaks Grace out when she says this, and so she starts running off. Have we met this girl yet before? No, I think this is the first time we're... foreshadowing? Yeah. Okay, so I'm noticing, like, she's got, like, like a fish earring on it. And I started to remember that church uh, that Abe went to uh, that had the fish imagery Yes, in St. Sebastian and Abe Sapien the Drowning. You're absolutely right. And that was on the East Coast? Yeah. Okay, I see where we're yeah, going. Yeah, yeah. Good job there, Aubrey. The old woman tells Abe to know yourself... You should go home. Let's go there together. She's like, I'm not scared. I don't give a fuck. And we cut to Abe shaving Grace's head with the razor she took. And smart. She, it's a smart decision. Right. And she also thinks of her daughter while he's doing that. As they talk, Abe tries to ask Grace about her story, but he accidentally cuts her head. But I've noticed this. Like, every time he tries to talk to her, she never says anything. You know, like, he can't kind right. of get through to her, but right. he keeps trying. Abe tells Grace his past. Some people at the Bureau thought he was connected to the monsters. He feels like he ran out on his friends. Grace asks Abe about that comment the old woman made about the cult. He says she was confused. Some people think the monsters are gods, and there are people who say that I'm connected to the monsters, but there isn't any cult. And I told you that I was shot. It was two years ago. It was in Texas around the time the monsters came. And that's when I started changing. And that wasn't the first time that I was changing. So he's telling, he's still telling his whole history and all this stuff. And so she's clearly very, where she's like, so they said that you had a cult. Is that, what's that about? Kind of a thing. Like you do. I mean, as you would. Right. You're like, "Uh, so is there a cult centered around you? Or, hmm, should I be worried? So again, he tries to kind of shift the conversation back to her he asks her if she's from New Mexico and she's looking in the water. She sees her daughter again and she just says she's going to sleep. She asks Abe to sit outside for a while. So it seems like she just wants some time away from his questions. You know? Right. He's like, oh, so are you from New Mexico or where, you know, like, so well, I mean, and she's just like, I need to go to fucking bed. Leave me alone. I just shave my head. I'm bottoming out here, please. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, you know, she's clearly dealing with some trauma, but Abe doesn't know this. I mean, but, you know. She's not yelling at him or anything, so she recognized that he's... But she's like, still needs her, her mind right. away from him. Outside, Abe thinks he knows Grace hardly sleeps. 
He thinks she cut off all her hair to make herself go away a little. He felt similarly when he found out about Call. And so he does this cool Is that fierce... the sweater thing? It probably was. Yeah, I think that's what he, what he's referencing there. He does this cool fish spearing scene where he's swimming and spearing fish. Just like Tom Hanks in Castaway. I Only cooler. Well, I don't think Tom it's, Hanks it's did it like time. this because <laughs> he's like flying time. through the water. Oh, um, I know. I just got. It looks really cool. I've heard I like all this. the Wilson references, and I guess that's all you really need to know about that movie, right? It's a giant FedEx commercial. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> And during this scene, we also get flashbacks to Phoenix and Elena. Oh, yeah, 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 right. She told him to accept what's happened. Stop clinging to who he used to be. And then I let Payson get wiped out because I was still questioning myself, Abe thinks. And then somebody is washing detached limbs in the river? Right, so... He's like, oh, let me check this out. He comes, like, he just sees all this splashing in the water and limbs. And he comes up. And he sees this old woman, right, from earlier, and she's just, like, got a leg off or whatever. Don't like that. Honestly, the first thing I thought when I saw this was that uh, arm fall off boy. That trivia contest answer we couldn't answer at fucking Comic Palooza that one year. I don't know what that means. What trivia? Okay, so... What trivia? Okay, the four of us, me, you, and Albert, all four of us, were at uh, Comic Palooza's trivia contest. and They were? This was a few yeah, years ago. We did I don't the remember this. I have no memory of this. And then they were like, um, who's the character who can take off his arm and beat somebody over the head with it? It's like what? a DC Legion of superhero character. And this guy just blurts out, arm fall off boy. And the four of us are sitting there like, uh? So when I saw this person with their limbs off, I thought of that. <laughs> arm fall off boy. Yeah. That's great. I was just like, what is this? She knocks Abe back into the water with one of the arms. Like, she hits him in the face with one of those arms, and he falls back. She thinks that he's sneaking up on her. I took him for better than that, she says. Well, the bad man's gone, General. That's the dog, right, General? I don't like any of this. It's well, just so weird. And she takes her head off and looks like she's looking down into the river. <laughs> so, to, you know, get a closer look. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> As Abe drifts down, he has this flashback of being with Hellboy. And this looks like the same event that we saw from that flashback in BPRD Hollow Earth. He's got a nose at first, and then he doesn't have one. Oh, right. So as the flashback progresses, he's like old school Abe, and he transforms into the evolved version. Well, it's like he started off in that whole time where he gets helped out of the tank, because you can see the little uh, nodes on him, too. Yeah. Yeah. And then the conversation he has with Hellboy just made me sad. Hellboy's like, that girl really messed you up, pal. And he's like, Grace, that her name? The girl that shot you? Put you in that tube? And so that's Phoenix, right? And he's like, no, 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 that was a different tube. But that girl did shoot you, right? Hellboy asks. No, that man did. So he's getting confused with what just happened. All the different times he's been shot. And Hellboy's like, the man who what? I guess I don't know what he did, Abe asks. And so as Abe is talking... There's this trail of blood coming up from that yeah. wound, which gives it like this really trippy effect. And so he's just really confused. No, Abe, you're in denial, Hellboy says, about a lot of things. You told that guy in Payson I wasn't dead. Well, you're here, Abe says. You keep saying that. I'm gone, Abe, Hellboy says. What does that mean, Abe asks? What does it mean about me? With you gone, it's like, it's like they think I'm the beast of the apocalypse. And Hellboy says, no, Abe, you're something else altogether. And we see this vision of Hellboy sitting there 
And he's sitting kind of in that same yeah. pose as when we saw that thing in King of Fear where he said, do it, Liz. Yeah. I feel like it's like he's already in hell. And it's kind of like, I don't know. I feel like he's communicating from right. hell yeah. somehow it, through the dream. And that's why it doesn't. it's not a straight conversation. We also see that, that jellyfish shit. thing. And then the, the little pod. The, uh, it looks like one of those O-N, yeah. Oans guys. Yeah, you're right. Fucking dreams, man. <laughs> Outside, Grace walks around, and on a park bench, she encounters, or she has this vision of her sister, Sadie, who we know died in the car crash. Sadie says, the way they in the world have changed makes you worry about your future. Grace says she has someone looking out for her. Oh, Grace, that's what the last guy said. And she's meaning that creepster from the house in the garden. She also asks, have you told this new guy about Gallup? And the scene just starts to devolve, right? More Into this abstract dreams. thing. Like yeah. her sister, like, I don't know. There's this weird thing on her head. It looks kind of like roots coming down or something. Or like blood dripping. Right. Around. I don't know. But it also looks like her head is exploding upward. And she says, go on, Grace. I need to be alone. And then so Grace goes to her daughter who's on a swing. So it gives us like a sense of her mind state, right? Yeah. She sees this giant monster. It's like made up of all the wrecked cars. We see that red car in there also. We see that creepster in there also. And then like the monster becomes him and then it becomes Abe, which I thought was really interesting, right? It's almost reminiscent of that first cover on the garden. Yeah, uh, you're but right. But instead of uh, the house, it's her holding her daughter. Right. We cut back to Abe's vision that he's having. He's still having this vision where that trail of blood is coming out of his side. And he's seeing that jellyfish creature. In his subconscious dreamscape, he sees Call. And Call tells him to stop running. Face reality. You want to prove a foregone conclusion. To prove a negative. I am not a monster. He tells Abe he's hiding behind Grace to appear more human. You left a town in Arizona for dead when you couldn't bear their judgment. Just as you once ran from the truth about yourself by hiding inside me, you run. And then so when we turn the page, we see this crazy evil version of Abe. And it comes down on top of Abe and it says, why? What are you running from? And there's just so much imagery I want to talk about here. So we see like frog monsters we see one of those Thadrian frogs that were floating around little, Liz. Yeah. Yeah. We see that little cocoon egg thing. We see the old woman. We even see the Edith Call, the like black skeleton thing oh, right. that he saw of her. And then we see all these people falling. So remember when he had that vision, he had this vision of all these people falling into this hole. I think that was in the drowning. And so that's kind of what that looked like. Is that the the harpoon that went through him and uh Oh yeah, right. and the harpoon also and, uh, right. seed of destruction? Yeah, and then is this Roger too? Is this little thing Roger? Oh shit, that is Roger. Yeah, right here there's like a piece of Roger there too. Wow, so yeah. there's just all this different imagery, right? We cut to morning, Abe and Grace eat fish for breakfast. This looks pretty good, right? Yeah. He was talking about that they would have fish for breakfast. Abe says they'll be heading to Texas. And he isn't sure why he has to do it. And Grace says she gets it. We're all vulnerable, right? The world's gone crazy. Everyone dealing with uncertainty. So you open up about it. You want me to open up? 
I just thought you'd want to know why we're going to Texas, Abe says. I want someone to rely on, Grace says. I have enough uncertainty for both of us. And so Abe tries to interrupt and she says, stop it. Look, maybe I just like you better kicking the crap out of scary wooden Jesuses than sharing all your angst. And she just Damn, that's off. fucking harsh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so Abe just looks at her and that's it. You know, that's the end of that story. Yeah, so it literally was visions, dreams, and fission. That's yep. what was. That's what happened yeah. in that story, right? The next story is Sacred Places. This is a two-issue arc published from September to October 2014. Story by Mignola and Ali. Art by Sebastian Fumara. Colors by Dave Stewart and letters by Clem Robbins. Tight. We open up on Undead Vaughn. And he's chasing a deer, right? So I guess he's like capturing food for Strobel. I always imagined myself marching across a dead earth, a general in this service of Satan, his army striding behind my chariot. Things have not turned out as I imagined, true, but I still intend to find my station. That's how I occupy my mind on these long, quiet stretches, soldier. I picture a legion of the damned following us, though I know I haven't got forever. And so this is Strobel talking, right? I just like how he's like, yeah, things haven't turned out how I thought they would, but I'm still gonna... (laughs) Still gonna try, damn it. I still want to have my evil army. I'd heard of the real energy, of course, but I thought it was a myth. Ha, the devil's finest trick was to convince us he does not exist. You know the phrase, Strobel asks? The secret fire did a far better job of concealing itself than Satan ever could. Is that why he lost dominion over the earth, allowing these horrors to claim it? in their service to that secret power, as Antonis tells it. And then he tells Vaughn to get to the carriage. Get him. And so Vaughn brings out Antonis's skull. This is that guy that Strobel... Well, Strobel didn't really attack him. He just summoned Willis and Vaughn to attack him in the last story. And so they bring the skull out, and Strobel tries to talk to it, but it's unresponsive. And so he just kicks it into the fire. Fine, hold your tongue. We'll see where your secrets get you. So they have no idea where they're going, I guess, right? And then so we cut over to this sign. And so it's got some interesting graffiti on here. It says like evolution, but it also says love. How that's like worked in there, right? Okay. Yeah, I saw the love, but I was like, what is this? I I didn't catch it at first. And then we also see on this other sign here, we see the Abe symbol And then we see the phoenix symbol. So that's like that symbol that she had on her sweater. And it says phoenix saw this coming. Well, we'd seen that earlier when we first got introduced to phoenix. Uh, I remember seeing the imagery and it's like phoenix saw this coming. These people starting to kind of worship her. Right. And then now this, the cult of Abe is coming in and they like spray paint that over the phoenix. Oh, right. Yeah. So it's like, okay, whatever's next is going to go over the Abe. (laughs) (laughs) That's like when they had the, uh, what's it called, Protestants against the Papists type of a deal. And if you notice, it's also like on a picture of Jesus because it's a pro-life billboard. Oh, right. Yeah, this is all on top of that shit. That's the old shit now. Abe and Grace arrive in Texas. This is it, Grace, Abe says. This is where I got shot. Damn, this is some imagery that also needs a little bit of a warning here. Right, as they get into Rosario, we see someone hung there. I was wondering if this was like that priest from earlier, but that guy turned into a giant monster, so no. This would be like somebody else. We do see a random group of dogs wandering around, so that is representative of South Texas, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
Shit, my neighborhood. And we see that someone is watching them, too, as they're walking around. We see a bunch of graffiti, too. I think in the sketchbook, they talk about, like, that was a component that they wanted to incorporate into the story. And I think it's actually on one of the covers, too. They approach a community pool, and Grace hears people. And we also see, as we get into the community pool, we see Staz and another agent. Staz is the one that was talking to Kate earlier. She told them to go here. They asked some kids where they got their Zinko sweater. And the other agent tells Staz to chill out and stop pulling on your collar. What does that mean? Where he's like, stop pulling on your collar. It's usually where they hide their uh, radios. Oh, okay, okay. They're and- too tweaked out and underfed to notice. Damn. I know. <laughs> Why don't you get harsh with it? Shit. And so Abe and Grace come into this place, and so everyone stops to look at them as they walk in. Zinko shirt is sending me. And one of these guys is Stupid Gene. He's the one that started the whole Abe uh, cult thing, right? Man. He's there. Fuck that guy. And he's like, I told them you'd come. And he's all to all of his followers. And Abe's like, who are you? <laughs> I really like that. It's good. He's like, remember the Salton Sea? I'm Gene. Gene and Judy. And Barry, right, Abe says, what are you doing here? And so we also see the two agents, and so the guy is callous, and then we know Staz, and so she's like, hold up. Jean says, we're here to see what you've learned. What happened to you? The world's changing, and you're the one. And so Abe's like, did this hole get bigger? Talking about where the community pool was. That's where he got shot. And then so suddenly... All this red mist, like the breath of change kind of stuff, comes coming up from the ground. And Jean's all, see, this place knows. Abe returns, Can this right? Can just shut God. the fuck up? I would uh, just, like... Wait, so what happened to Judy? When we last saw them, she was like, she's not supposed to be there. Right, yeah. So, so I assume she left. Yeah. Oh, wonder what happened I assume to she got out of there. And it kind of seems like Abe notices the agents because he jumps yeah, on this horse... Sure. And he just starts getting out of there with Grace. Well, right? they're saying all the agent shit. They're like, move, move, move. Yeah. It's just this very like super fucking obvious yeah. type of shit. And so it's like move out smartly, people. Hooah. Like, come on. And so as they're trying to get out of there on the horse, one of these wolves jumps out. And so Abe has to fight these things. And this is a great scene. It's got some really crazy action. We see like these wolves are kind of mutated right on the bottom. This one's got like a three mouth thing going on. In the sketchbook, there's some uh, a lot of really cool layouts of these pages. Fumar really redrafted these a bunch of different times to try and make get the action just right. Yeah. And so I think he does a really good job of really making it dynamic. And you really just see the strength of Abe, you know, fighting off these things. And so in the middle of the battle and all this, as Abe is like smashing these wolves into the ground and everything, he ends up throwing one of the wolves at Agent Callus. So I thought that was like, did he do that on purpose or was that just was that just an accident, something that happened? It's pretty good, though. And Grace is having a real hard time as all this is happening, right? Obviously, she asks Abe why he came back here. It's not safe. And we also see someone inside a house watching all this go down. We see Staz come over to see how Callus is doing the other agent who had the wolf land on him. And so Staz confronts Abe and she introduces herself as Agent Hansen. She says, Director Corgan sent them to bring him home. 
She says she can call a helicopter and get them both to Colorado. Abe doesn't want to go, but Grace is pissed. She wants to get out of there, right? Abe tells her that the BPRD blame him for what's going on. And he also recalls them putting a bomb in Roger back in Conqueror Worm and how they almost dissected him. He asks Hanson if Hellboy is really dead, and she hesitates. Yes, but you have other friends. If they wanted to kill you, would they have sent us to? And so as this is going on, some locals approach, and they say they can help Callus. They say they need to get off the street before the wolves come back. And so Abe picks up Callus and asks, where's the house? I like this where Staz is like, you think your horse will come back? And Grace is like, would you? Right. So they bring Callus inside this house. And so there are a bunch of other people there that are staying there. And we see kind of some of the imagery on there. I saw this one thing. It's kind of like a, it looks kind of like a statue of the Virgin Mary, but it's all red. And instead of a face, it's got like a mirror or something. Yeah, I was wondering what that was. Up. I mean, she's, oh, Abe knocked it over. Right, right. Oh, okay. They say Diana will see Callus downstairs, which Agent Hansen thinks is weird. One of the guys wants to leave, but the guy, Diego, says Diana didn't hold on to this place for nothing. And as we kind of see the inside of the house, we see all the kind of different decorations. There's like a bunch of skull imagery. Right here's not so bad. Diana walks in. She asks Diego to take Callus downstairs, and Abe says he can do it. All respects, sir, Diana says, because you do look strong as a bull, but my home is a bit of a china shop. And so this is a reference to a person who breaks things or often makes mistakes or causes damage to situations that require careful thinking or behavior. You know, the Mythbusters did an episode on the bull in the china shop. Oh, yeah, I remember that one, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it actually that... walked very delicately around all the China, exactly. right? Yeah. <laughs> Staz asks Abe if he's all right. He says he only got a whiff from the red gas. Staz says she's glad he didn't get a deep breath. What would that do to you, Grace asks. And we get this vision of this evil Abe silhouette in the background. They say it's not that kind of gas. It kind of turns you into a crumbling mutant guy. Can I just say that? This woman's aesthetic is incredible. Oh, yeah. We didn't talk about Diana. So when she comes in, you know, she's all white and she's got kind of all this black garb. Yeah. And so she's got like an unusual like red accent. Yeah. It's really yeah. nice. Yeah. I love it. Oh, yeah. It's totally awesome. They say Diana helped this one guy, Tuck, that got hit by the gas and got turned halfway. They take cows downstairs And Diego tells Staz that Diana has a hard time keeping the place, including her husband being taken by immigration. Diana says she didn't mean she missed her husband, just that it was hard to pay for the place. And we see kind of this space behind her. We can kind of see like more imagery of all these different statues. Upstairs, Grace and Abe have this moment on the couch. They talk about how Abe tries to help people, people who Grace doesn't usually like, but then he tries to run when people help him. Abe tells her he can take care of them, and they hold hands. And I do want answers, Abe says. Maybe what happened to me doesn't have to do with the girl who shot me, but with the gas. I told you I changed twice, once a long time ago, then again when the world started going to hell. After I got shot in that pool, but maybe it was just a coincidence. So he thinks maybe it had something to do with the gas. 
I actually went back to that issue where he got shot mm-hmm. and you never see any of the gas come up at all. But anyway, suddenly stupid Gene comes up at the door outside Gene, Abe says, and he goes out there and Gene says, Abe didn't come back just to see these people. Abe says he didn't expect Gene to be doing this cult thing. And Gene says it was Jimmy and Tuck's idea. And he just got involved because he's met Abe. Diego tells them that they should go inside. Something drug the dead wolves away. And they shouldn't be out there when it comes back. And we see somebody watching them also from outside. But Gene still persists. And Abe isn't having any of it. You wanted me to think that gas was some kind of sign when I showed up. When you knew it had been leaking all along. You kept those people hanging around that hole so you could act like some apostle to a cult that does not exist. And Gene's like, I I helped them, Abe. But I just really like this panel where he's yelling at him, too. It looks really great. Oh, yeah. Or even earlier back where he says, like, it was Tuck and that other guy that started it. He was just part of it because he met Abe. And I'm right. Like, you fucking liar. You were preaching about it at the Salted Sea. Exactly right. You just won't take responsibility. You deserve whatever happens to you, Abe says, and he starts going in back inside the house, and Gene's like, I feel awful about people who got hit by the gas. We do everything we can to keep them away from that hole. When they change, they're better off dead, man. I don't want to see that happen to anyone. And so they start telling him that he should get out of there, right? But he can't because Diego thinks that something is coming back out. And Abe also considers them leaving. He has grace. Maybe we should go, right? And they look outside. We see Gene looking outside, and he sees those awful mutant things walking up. Gene talks about how they will all have to leave town soon. One of the people in the house say that Diana and La Santa Muerte protect the house. This is from Wikipedia, Nuestra Señora de la Santa Muerte, or Our Lady of Holy Death, often shortened to Santa Muerte, is an idol female deity or folk saint in Mexican and Mexican-American folk Catholicism. Sounds like a fucking baller. A personification of death, she is associated with healing, protection, and safe delivery to the afterlife by her devotees. Despite condemnation by leaders of the Catholic Church, her cult has become increasingly prominent since the turn of the 21st century. Now I really like her. Altars of (laughs) Santa Muerte temples generally contain one or multiple imagery of the lady generally surrounded by any or all of the following. Cigarettes, flowers, fruit, incense, water, alcoholic beverages, coins, candles, and candies. I like all those things. In the Mexican and U.S. press... The Santa Muerte religion is often associated with violence, criminality, and the illegal drug trade. She is a popular deity in prisons, both among inmates and staff, and shrines dedicated to her can be found in many cells. Not as good. Altars of images of Santa Muerte have been found in many drug houses in both Mexico and the United States. In March 2012... The Sonora State Investigative Police announced they had arrested eight people for murder for allegedly having performed a human sacrifice to Santa Muerte. Wow. Way less good. Not, no longer like that. Don't like that part. Yeah. But this poor family, they're like, oh, we worship this in this way here. She's like, don't start with that death cult crap with us. And this dude's like, yeah, you're saints just a way for drug lords to convince themselves that they're whatever. And he's being kind of a fucking shithead. 
Well, he's just a t- all-around tool. He is just not <laughs> pleasant to be around. But yeah, so like I, parts of that sound fucking badass as hell because, you know, death is a part of life and all that. And then part of that sounds gross and not good. Yeah, so, well, he, that's what he's talking yeah, about here. Yeah, it depends when he's on where like, you're coming from there, I guess. He's like, so she doesn't accept body parts and he's just trying to like aggravate yeah. them. This guy's like, that's that's never been the true nature right. of our faith. That's been skewed and whatever. So he's trying to, that's most pagans you talk to. As well as, do you remember like all that satanic panic bullshit that they're trying to be like, Dungeons and Dragons is evil. Really, it's just a way for nerds to be friends with each other and do math. See, I never and got be to, imaginative and have fun. I never got to play D anD D because it's of that. It's so nice, exactly. It's just a nice social thing. You get together with your friends and you are imagination nerds. Is oh, what yeah. it is. It's really cool. And so, like, they're. I feel like that's where they're coming from. Where they're like actually this is our culture and this is our faith and this guy's like nah yeah you guys are just saying that because of this and that's it feels a little explainy it's kind of i don't know yeah Yeah. and as they're talking they also mention this 40 hours of darkness the week prior and so i think that's what was referenced in the healer on the last story, oh, right? right yeah. When it suddenly got dark, right? So I think that's the same thing. So whatever happened in New York, I think it created this 40 hours of darkness. So Diana comes out, which seems to startle Gene, and he says he'll leave when the monsters clear out. Abe says, it's pretty scary there. Why does she stay there? Diana says, they are close to Ciudad Juarez. This is one of the most populous city in the Mexican state of Chihuahua. The city is commonly referred to by locals as simply Juarez and was known as Paso del Norte, Pass of the North, until 1888. Since the launch of the Mexican drug war in 2006, the amount of violence increased dramatically here, and around this time, homicide rates escalated to the point of making Juarez the most violent city in the world. And so I think that's what she's mentioning here, where she's saying, look, we're we're close to this place, and Rosaria has also been dangerous, but she wants to see what will become. Change is the promise of renewal, even death. The death card in the tarot simply means renewal. So this is a death cult, Grace reacts. Diana tells Abe that something terrible lays beneath Rosario, an Ogdruhem, and so Staz comes in here and she tells them how the bprd got involved but this farmer was breeding ogdruhem cows or something like that and he was like kind of fostering all this and so they had to go under there and blow all this thing underground diana says later there was more gas and people kept getting changed so few stayed but among us were some some people who worshipped you abe then this fool came and got people excited again, calling it a homely sight, despite the occasional gas. And so they're talking about Gene here, right? And so as they're talking, Gene, he looks outside and he sees all those mutant crumbling guys. They're coming up, shambling up towards the window. One of them is fittingly wearing a Zinko shirt. Right. It's that one we saw earlier. Oh, yeah, you're right. One of those kids from the pool. Yeah. They try to assure him that they're safe in there, but he says, screw you and screw your protection. He takes one of the guns and he runs outside and he starts apologizing to the monsters for keeping them around the gas and shooting them. 
But, like, is he only doing this because he's been called on it? Or it finally got to him, I guess? Or... A little bit of both. Right. And so Abe goes out after him. He's like, crap. I think that's... I kind of feel like that's a Hellboy moment where he's like, oh, now I gotta help this guy. And so he goes out there and starts fighting the monsters, too. Some amazing action shots. Just fantastic work by Sebastian Fumara. I love this version of Abe. Yeah, there's just great action over here. We see Abe, like, clawing away at all these things. And so inside the house, Staz is like, does anyone want to use this other agent's gun? Come out and help, right? (laughs) And so she goes out there, too, and starts shooting. She, like, blows this one monster's head off, which is really cool. They look on. Those mutants, they used to be human, one says. So was Abe, Grace says. So I feel like Grace is like, I don't know, she's starting to become suspicious of Abe too or something like that. Because earlier she was all like, oh, well, what would happen if he got hit by the gas and this and that, right? Well, also she had that dream where um, she's like, he said he'd protect me or something. And it's like, isn't that what the last guy said? Oh, you're right. Yeah, that's what her sister told her in that vision. Good job there. Again, some amazing work by Sebastian Fumara. I like how Staz is going at it with the two guns, right? At one point, she starts to get overpowered, and then Abe comes out, and he like starts pulling them off, throwing this one overhead. And suddenly, this dark, long-haired figure approaches. You blasphemies. You know this to be sacred ground. In her Satan name, I cast you out. And so, this is an incredible image. I really love this. That's Diana, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, And then so after all that, here comes Gene and he's like, no, they'll just go on like that. You said yourself, they're better off dead. Do you lift a finger to help to end it? And then we just see Abe behind him cracks him over the head. And God, that was so satisfying. Just shut up already. Right. So we cut to the next day and they're all hanging out. Abe's talking about uh, cracking Gene over the head. He's like, I couldn't listen to him anymore. I just need to be careful, though. The guy's still a jerk, but still, half of those mutants last night had been his parishioners, Staz says, last time he checked. They must have turned while he was talking to us. So they come outside and they talk about how they're all getting ready to leave for Burnham. Staz says they're probably right. And I like this moment because Diana also takes Jean aside and she tries to talk to him reasonably about all that bullshit he was talking about the night before with Santa Muerte and all that stuff. She says, Santa Muerte helps us, and we repay her with love and devotion. None of the twisted, terrible things the cartel would have you believe. So much uncertainty in the world, but it's being renewed before our eyes. You don't believe the darkness was here first, and this is the darkness coming back, Abe asks? What? No, Abe, Diana says. Some of us have been waiting for a new world for years. I like the uh, image of the uh, the girl and the goat. Yeah, we see an image of Elena, right? Abe says they should go check out the pool. And he also says he doesn't like to ride in cars. It reminds him of being in the tube. She's like, so you're awake after you're shot? And he's like, no, the other tube. He's referring to the tube that he was in, um, I guess, before Hellboy got him out. Right, yeah. yeah. Abe tells Gene to stay there and tells Staz... You tried to use the pool to catch me. Let's see what you caught. And Staz is kind of offended by this comment. We all came here for a reason, Abe says. I can't just disavow this cult business and say it has nothing to do with me. Diana tells Abe that his change has nothing to do with the gas. What happened to you? It's far bigger than Rosario, she says. 
if you want to know, you should go home. And so I think that's kind of addressing that right there. Right. right? Yeah. You're like, well, what if it was the gas? And then so I like how Staz is still talking about that comment. She's like, so I'm as bad as Gene? And he's like, no, Staz. And they kind of talk about their history a little bit. Abe says, once Callus is awake, to call for backup and get any survivors to a safe location. You're not going to take that priestess advice, Staz asks. You think she meant go home to the bureau, Abe asks. You tell Kate she means the world to me, but I'm not coming back. And Liz, Staz asks. She tells Abe she's stronger than ever. And Abe says then they don't need him. He asks if they recovered Hellboy's body from England. Staz says England is gone. There was nowhere to look. They didn't find the hand, Abe says. So he's thinking about that because remember Hellboy yeah. wrote him that the letter. Hand. It's also, it's not his hand. It's the hand. Right, right. Which I think is an interesting. Oh, yeah. He says the hand. Yeah, they didn't find the hand. You know, Hellboy wrote him that letter and all that stuff, explaining all that stuff he had learned about his hand. So Abe is like, I feel like I'm just one more monster that crawled out of a hole. There's a rage I've never felt before. I'm angry because of what I'm afraid of. And being angry makes me more afraid. And she's, you know, what are you afraid of? And he's, the next panel is this very impressive panel. Right. What am I changing into next? And we see him and he's like as yeah. big as an Ogdruhem. And yeah. he's like this giant monster. Reminds so. me a little bit of the beast yeah. from uh, X-Men and all that. Like when he kept right. evolving uh, and all this yeah. stuff. And he was like, what the fuck am I changing into? Am I still going to be able to think and speak and all this shit? Right. You know, he's afraid he's going to hurt some people and destroy an entire fucking city. And he's part of all this. And everyone keeps telling him that he is. And he's like, no, I have nothing to do with that. But now I think he's starting to be like, oh, shit. Right. You know, what if. And then now someone's like, no, nah, you got nothing to do with that. And he's like, but what if I do, though? Right. So yeah. <laughs> when Abe and Staz come back, Gene and the rest of his crew are getting ready to leave. They're gassing up cars. Callus comes out as well. And Abe apologizes for throwing a wolf at him. Right. <laughs> Staz says Abe saved her life. So that makes it even. And Abe's glad they're headed to Burnham. They're going to head north. People have been saying this isn't the right climate for me, he says. Abe asks Staz, you won't tell the Bureau you saw me. I was never here. That's kind of a tall order because Kate was specifically like, can you just do what the fuck I told you and go get Abe? Can you just do that for me? Can you get Abe, please? Okay, but it's interesting though because he did earlier he told her, you can tell Kate that she means the world to me, but I'm never coming back. Right. So yeah. he's like, you can tell Kate, but tell the bureau. Right. He's differentiating know? between the two. Right. right. Yeah. He tells Grace maybe they should check out Rhode Island, where Call was from. And Grace kind of goes off at him. She says how he came there looking for something and just found lunatics and monsters. And what did he find at the Salton Sea? Stop going places that almost killed you or put you in a coma, she says. Stop if you want to, because I'm done. I'm out of here. You can keep going or you can stop. I don't give a shit. Whatever happens, I'm out of here. We cut back to Strobel and Vaughn, who is actually his coachman now. So in the last one, he was like, I think you will be my coachman. And so, yeah, he actually is that. And Strobel's hanging out with him on top. They're at the U.S.-Canada border of North Dakota. Strobel asks to stop the carriage. He's cold. Vaughn doesn't feel it. Yes, soldier. You're welcome, Strobel says. As he's holding the skull in a very Hamlet sort of way. Oh, right. That's Antonis's skull, right? Over in Rosario, Callus asks Staz what she's going to say. 
She says she'll tell Kate everything except where they're heading. You got my back, she asks Callus. And you got his, he responds. I like that moment. Yeah, like it's, that n- it's like, nice where they're like, yeah. okay, so what's the story? Yeah. Let's, but uh, they decide they're going to stick with Abe. Right. They decide that, you know, he's like, and you got his. You got Abe's back, so I got your back. Back with Strobel. He goes inside the carriage. He tells Vaughn this story. We've already heard the story in Witchcraft and Demonology, which actually hadn't come out yet. So he's kind of teasing that story from the black wow, school. Wow, that's so interesting. Oh. Yeah. It, wow. Because he talks about how the headmaster would always grab one of the kids and all the boys would try and run away, one of them even losing his own shadow. But when it was Strobel's turn, he stood his ground and that's when his real learning began. And we learn more about it in that issue. That's dope as hell. Yeah. On this bottom panel, we see Callus watch Abe leave in the van with the Rosario locals. We got to get some of these t-shirts, man. Yeah, and we got a cool image there with the BPRD logo on the back. The end. Yeah, so they let him go, which I thought was pretty interesting. So let's, um, we're going to go to page 404. We have a lot of different sketches by Max Fumara of the, of Grace and of that creepster guy that was in the house. And Max Fumara talks about how he wanted to give him a really distinctive look since he was the only character, you know, he wanted to make sure that we really, like, knew who this guy was. And I really like, on page 407, all the different sketches of Abe as the serpent, which I think is really yeah, fun, cool. you know, to kind of look at how they did that. And they did a good job with her hair. It looks so nice. Max Fumara talks about liking how it was laid out with the three panels. He said, this allowed me to expand a bit more and play with compositions and details. I loved it. And so I wonder if that's, he's referring to coming back to that perspective of that, that we saw multiple times. Right. Um, right. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, so we see a bunch of those layouts. We see his sketches for all the characters from the healer. You know what is interesting is that last story we read, she did heal the agent and then the healer wasn't able to heal shit. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I would have cast this guy as Sam Neill just because I think he does a good... The healer? Yeah, he does a good, hey, can everyone just chill the fuck out? Yeah. Please, because I'm trying to to sleep now. So uh, let's just get the thing done that we need to do and everybody relax. I love a good Sam Neill. We get some more layouts of Sebastian Fumara drafting out those pencils on that fight scene with all the wolves and he kind of talks about how he really wanted to get that right we also see all the character designs for diana staz and callus the new agents that we got in this series got the sketches of beast abe oh right yeah this evil version of abe that we kind of keep getting alluded to we see some nice sketches of that yeah and these covers are just awesome it has this uh this little pin that Diana wears. I would love to have that pin. The little skull pin with the cross on it or whatever. It even shows Grace wearing a, a shirt with an Abe symbol on it. The uh, Abe fish. Yeah, that would be a cool shirt too. Ugh, her hair. Diana's yeah. on, on hair. Sorry. I'm, these sketches are super good. Yeah, really nice. All right. And so, yeah, we're kind of having our Abe marathon. We'll have one more Abe story again next week and then we'll move on to a different title yeah but it's been really cool to see abe go through all this different stuff and this kind of wraps up the first omnibus so we'll be cracking open the second abe sapien dark and terrible omnibus next week 
And now Aubrey's going to say all the things. Say all the things, Aubrey. I will say all the things. All right, everybody. Share us your thoughts on this collection of Abe short stories that was actually one long story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can send us at heyyoudamnguys at hellboybookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. You can also find the Discord link on our Facebook page along with a reading order. Be sure to check out our friends at Mignolaverse.com for all the wonderful things that they're doing. And always a thank you to Paul from Garterhorn for the theme. We always love it. And, and we, we miss you, Matt Strackbine. We miss you, Matt. Matt, can't wait to hear about the con. But yeah. We're, yeah, we're glad you're hanging out with, yeah. with fellow book club members. Um, That's always fun. Also, thank you to Mark Twiddell for helping John with the reading order. Thank yeah. you, John, for everything. Everything. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> you can find the podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. Next week, we are going to be talking about Abe Sapien, a darkness so great. Oh, man, that sounds... <laughs> <laughs> sounds fun. Uh, a little less terrible, maybe. Hopefully. Yeah. They should call the next one Abe Sapien, a little less terrible. Yeah. <laughs> a dark, dark and terrible, a little less terrible. <laughs> So, everybody, you know what to do. Pull out your back issues, digitals, trades, friggin' um, <laughs> do something cool and tell me all about it, how you got your issues, and join us next week on the Hellboy Book Club Podcast. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. And I'm Danielle. And I'm Aubrey Lowe saying, I told you to send someone to Texas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.